Stop. We've called you up tonight. The reason you're in this position is because you fight. That's not enough. I want more and more and more. Are you going to let Joey Lynch dominate you? No, no. no. Tonight, I want you coming out of the pod thinking, fuck me, actually, you know what? I might collapse here mentally and physically because you're at it, at it, at it, at it. Unleash hell. You have two eyes, huh? Do you understand the game a bit? Yeah, have a look. I'm not saying anything to you in particular because I know you're not too accurate with your reporting. That, that's what okay, you're paid so you're for. you're saying it. I should resign. So you're saying I should resign? I think that's you your should, opinion. Yeah. Is that right? That's my opinion. Okay, fine. Are you going to resign then? No, of course I'm not going to resign. I simplify things next time. <laughs> the pure disgust on Joey Lynch's face. Indeed. You know, that, that segment it was not sold well by our, uh, our co-panellists, though. Joey, here's, what, here's what's happened. Me and Josh went to the park this week and we visualized what we were going to do on the pod first. And we were pointing it out and we were acting it out. And, you know, we just, we just, we've, we've foreseen a positive, amazing podcast and it, it's in the stars. So, I, don't, I mean, you, your involvement, we didn't visualize too much of that, but that no. was because we viewed a successful one. But anyway, how are you, Joey? You seem, you're in a party shirt. You've got your sunglasses, but you're not giving off party vibe. You got the party wristband? Uh, <laughs> I've got oh, the wristband. Got party wristband stole. You missed the memo. <laughs> I, I'm wearing. I've got the little uh, party wristband that they make you wear every time you come into Amy Park. But I'm just amazed at what happens when I leave you two alone in the green room for too long before we go live. What are we going to get next week? Are you going to tell uh, Josh that he's achieved nothing yet? <laughs> <laughs> We'll base every week. We're going to base the opening uh, TNC on whatever happens on illegal access. I tell you what, um, I tell you what, Joey. It's actually um, going to be a show policy now to do a cold open um, pump up yep. before each show because last week I felt the energy was a little bit lacking in the first twenty minutes or so. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I didn't feel like we were at the races, so we're coming out of the tunnel firing. A very affectionate greeting to everybody tuning in. We're going to have you know, Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan joining us a little bit later. But soccer you, you know is to cover, no, no. A-League round four and a red cards galore. Cold opens. TNC turned into SNL so gradually I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> is this good SNL, like 80s SNL, or is this no. shit Elon Musk episode of SNL? Right. Mm, does it will it lead us on to bigger and better things which is the whole point of snl you just go on you just fucking do some sketches and then you go and make movies for tens of millions of dollars are they good movies historically no but it doesn't matter you get the bag speaking there's, of bag there's actually, there's actually someone behind my uh, my laptop actually holding up cue cards for my, <laughs> my jokes tonight i just can't wait for the musical guest um here's what i want to know from the public all right look we want to get through this show we need to be quick like we can't stuff around but is anyone collecting panini stickers let me know i have doubles to trade all right i wasn't interested <laughs> in this a week ago now i am who do you want say put in the in the thing who you want uh, as a panini sticker if i have it i will give it to you in exchange and i'm chasing one player and one player only and i think we can all guess which player i'm chasing rebbage <laughs> is he even in the sticker book <laughs> 
No, Rebic actually Rebic tried to get into the sticker book, but he missed by about 30 yards and went into the And then he just kept going. He he took a big (laughs) run up and he just kept kept going. In one end of the factory and then out the other end of the factory, just woof. Oh, my goodness. Um, Should we talk about uh, the A-League? Or, I mean, I'm happy to talk about other things, you know. It doesn't particularly I I, I was going to get into everybody's uh, cooking during the week, but maybe Mm -hmm. we'll start with some some R-League amends. Um, let's go for the most entertaining game of the weekend. No coincidence that uh, sometime TNC panelist Teo Pelletieri was on the call for this one. Because oh, suddenly, I did the, uh, the AOP match report. Oh, there we go. TNC's fingerprints all over Central Coast Mariners 4, Western United 2. Western United with a two-goal smash-and-grab lead in the first half. Stole, but uh, the Mariners came back firing the second. Yes, the red card. Had an impact, but this was a this was a rollicking ride. So here's what I want to know, and and Joey, maybe you can help me out because I think you were kind of across the discourse as it was happening live. But I watched uh, the replay of this this morning, and so were people upset about that Nikolai Topper Stanley red card? Because to me, that was a red card. This guy from behind got Qual on his calf. Like what? What man? Imagine if he he ruined Qual's chances of going to a World Cup. To me, it was a red card challenge. I don't know what everyone was so upset about. If people were upset, but to me, clear red card. And thanks and success. See you later, Nikolai Topper Stanley. And you know, thank God that uh, Qual wasn't injured because he played really well and he was super exciting. You know, and creating those chances, being involved with everything. Uh, Jason Cummings had a really good game as well. You know, which is good heading into kind of the World Cup. And I don't think he did his. You know, his chances, any harm, I think, um, you know, he gave a lot of Arnie to think about. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought uh, good performance from the Mariners. Western United look real bad. And for a team that was, you know, sitting deep last season, really well-organized and counter-attacking, they're still sitting deep. They are not well-organized. <laughs> they are conceding an incredible amount of uh, chances. And, you know, that's got to be a big worry for John Aloisi. Well, I'll... I'll get to the top of Stanley red card first. Well, John Aloisi certainly didn't come out hellfire and brimstone around the red card uh, to top or Stanley. He was accepting on it. What uh, Aloisi uh, took issue with in the post-game press conference was that if he claims that if that t- challenge from top or Stanley was a red card, then VAR should have reviewed and sent off Marco Tullio for a challenge late on in the first half. I'm not sure if you watched the full game stole, but I, I had to go back and try to remember it. I could, and I could only remember it briefly because it wasn't raised as, you know, much until as much controversy until after the game and Aloisi spoke, but Tulio sort of collected, I can't even remember which Western player he collected, somewhat of a high boot, glancing blow, um, uh, late on in the first half, got a yellow. I don't even think he actually got a yellow card for it, looking back at the stats. Um, but that's what Aloisi took issue with um, on the dismissal front. On the game itself, uh, I have to agree with you, Nick Stoll, in the extent that Western United tried to do what Western United have tried to do under Aloisi, sit back, hit on the counter. It worked, just um, Cummings twice went close to scoring early doors the first time deflected cross that forced a sharp save from Young and then a goal disallowed, albeit from a very well-executed Western United offside track, but sort of felt like, especially when Topol Stanley went down 
just the lack of adjustment from Western United. They tried to keep doing the same thing, sitting back, and they sort of just got punished for that. Yeah, the Mariners kept coming and coming and coming as we knew they would. Cummings kept coming and coming and coming as we knew he would. He ends up with a goal and three assists. Garan Kowal does Garan Kowal things in setting up the first goal, inducing the red card. And, and it really felt like just Western United got caught napping. They got caught with his two-goal lead, thought it was in the bag. The players didn't respond with the kind of desperation um, you would have needed to defend a two-goal lead with 10 men, and they got punished. I want to go through this game a little bit more chronologically because there's a lot to unpack. I think there's, there's a lot in this game. So, I mean, let's start with the Nick Milanovic goal. Um, he's a player we've been crying out for, see more opportunities for a little while now. Um, I certainly went on record in preseason saying I didn't understand the James Troisi signing when you had Milanovic waiting in the wings as the obvious um, deputy to uh, uh, to uh, Alino Diamanti if if he if he's not fit to play. So yeah, um, you should do your own research into James Troisi. There's the mainstream <laughs> well, media won't tell you the truth about James Troisi. Well, I'm, he was out allegedly through injury. Um, well, that's certainly the reason the club provided. But I felt. He, at least in, in the first half, offered more than Troisi has so far this season for a side that's on the foot of the table at the moment, Joey. I mean, well, yeah, the foot of the table. They've wanted defence. They've conceded 10 goals this year. That's worst in the league um, now. So, And I, I do agree with you that I, I guess Milanovic showing a lot is relative in a sense because Western as a whole, outside of those brief moments in transition, didn't actually show a lot, but he did get involved. He was also involved in the second goal um, when he was the one that, you know, played Dylan Wenzel Halls through and Dylan Wenzel Halls in turn finds the overlapping run of Connor Payne for what has to be said was a very sweetly taken finish into the top corner of the net, giving Vukovic no chance. But I would concur to you, Josh Parrish, that, you know, if you are looking for silver linings in this game, if you are John Aloisi in Western United, Milanovic was one of them. Let's talk uh, about Connor Payne's goal. I mean, Julian comes through saying, uh, I'd like to see Milo start more often. Um, well, I want more Milo as well. Everyone wants more Milo. You know, you want half the tin in there. Three teaspoons? No, thank I you. Knew that was you, just wanna, you just want to scoop and scoop and scoop. Uh, the, be, the, more, the more Milo, the better, in my opinion. Nesquik, underrated. Milo goes to the top. <laughs> Un-Australian. You hipster. I know, but the thing is, Nesquik, it, it dissolves into the milk more and kind of gives you the nice kind of like flavor. Who cares about the milk? Who wants no to dissolve? You want a crunch? I don't think so. <laughs> you, you have too much of it. It's like the cinnamon challenge. You start you start <laughs> coughing. It, you know, it's it's not good for you. No, right? mate, you, you get the Milo yogurts. You get the open up the Milo yogurts. You sprinkle a little bit of Milo on the Milo Have a yogurt. look at this from the West. From the West, I don't even know Cadbury drinking chocolate. What goes on over there, Ben Smith? Uh, I've never heard of such that, a thing. That is a terrible take. Chococino is where it's at. If you're looking for a hot chocolate mix, Chococino. That, that is the good That is the good I stuff. mean, as that's, the they're, that's the stuff they're putting on top of your cappuccino at, at Granetti's uh, where uh, Norbert's hanging TN, out and live on street. As TNC is actually a food podcast, I should say, the best hot chocolate is the one that you actually just make with chocolate and hot yeah. milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but who's got who's got time for that? Ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, Connor Payne, yeah, uh, he uh, coming back to haunt his former club, and he's got so many of them. 
Um, but Central <laughs> Mariners being one of them, a right-footed, I repeat, right-footed uh, curler. Good He's finish. got like one belter in him per season. Um, someone mute my mic. I did Hello. because there's feedback coming through on your mic, Nick Stoll, and I was trying to figure out who it was. So it was you. Um, so I'll talk about Connor Payne as we fix that. And yeah, Connor Payne seems to have been, you know, one of the major beneficiaries of, well, he was Western United's entrance into the competition. You would have had to say they turned down uh, interest from India to keep him around. And for the way that Western United want to play in transition, um, utilising uh, their wingers in the way that they play, Lockie Wales and Connor Payne, he seems to really suit that setup. We saw um, when Marco Rudan was in charge of the club, they were utilising him at times as a wing back in a back five. So he really does seem, whether it's in a Aloisi system or a Rudan system, his utility as an up and down the touchline um, attacking weapon is utilised. Sort of like there's quite a few players in the A-League that sort of fit that archetype you know like Newcastle's got two of them in Soterio and Bahasha but of the players that fit that archetype in the A-Leagues Connor Payne probably one of the best yeah I mean he, he had one against I think it was maybe Brisbane Raw last season like in Geelong um uh which was an absolute screamer from outside the area um I think that might have been right-footed as well so you know more two-footed than maybe he's giving credit for but um, yeah, occasionally he comes up with something pretty pretty incredible. Um, Western United in a lead that they scarcely deserved, but it's a pattern we saw so many times last season that they they took the lead and they were really hard to break down. That kind of defensive edge seems to have gone out of them. Like, I think even with 10 men last season, they would have seen this out for at least a point, surely. Yeah, but also, I mean, you got to give some credit to the Mariners who, you know, created a lot. I, look, I know it's 10 men and da-da-da-da, but... Like you say, I've seen plenty of A-League games where a team has 10 men and the opposition fails to make the most of it. Sydney FC is a good example against Adelaide United last week. Did 60 minutes uh, with an extra man, and it didn't really look like it other than Adelaide United weren't, you know, kind of attacking with too much. The one thing I want to ask you guys, Garen Quoll, you know, the most exciting player, you know, we've had in four years or whatever. Is this guy ever going to start a game? Like, what, what is with the, the allergicness that the Mariners have to starting this guy? He's he's the reincarnation of Lisa Devanna early in her career. Remember when she refused to start games and she was just a super sub? No, I didn't know she refused to start games. I kind of like She it. said she, I think it was 2011 World Cup, she said she was way more comfortable coming off the bench to make an impact in games rather than starting them. And she was, she used to be Australia's, unequivocally Australia's star player back in those days. Yeah. Um, you know, 2011 Women's World Cup. And she, she was so good in that super sub role. And, and Qual's providing pretty similar impact. And it's probably good practice for the kind of minutes he's likely to get early in his uh, time in, in Europe. Well, I was just going to say, like, as someone who likes to turn up late to things and maybe not put in a full shift, I would love to just have a little half hour cameo. Come on, tired legs, you know, rip it up. I would start training that way. I'd go, look, I'm only going to do, you know, 30% of training uh, and I'll be ready for Saturdays and Sundays. Stole, stole the type of bloke that unironically says you ever seen a lion stretch. Um, but <laughs> I think to be honest, Qual not starting, at this point, that is a thousand percent the best thing for his World Cup chances. Like what's going to happen if he starts? 
he has to go 90 minutes against a defense that uh, is f- fully rested and fully raring to go. Um, the dynamics of the game will be completely changed, um, that arm wrestle. So in terms of how he has um, buttered his bread so far in his career, he's gotten a move to Newcastle United in the Premier League and he's a World Cup bolter without ever actually starting a game. I mean, if I'm Garen Kowal, I'm not exactly beating down Nick Montgomery's door demanding that I start at this point. I feel like it might hurt me. Um, in the short term, more than anything else. No, in the long run, he, of he course. He'd go to knock on that door, but he was late. So he just, like, <laughs> Montgomery was already on the training ground. Now, in the long term, I guess you, there is, I'm not going to call it a concern, but, you know, it is something to monitor. The fact that he has become effectively the, the great hope of Australian football, having never played, never started a single game of senior football. I mean, he started for the young Socceroos in the AFC qualifiers recently, but who knows how they'll go against grown-ass men um, in these sort of environments. So I wouldn't be beating down his door, Montgomery's door, to start as of late because his best utilisation for the Mariners is obviously as a weapon off the bench, and he's leaving in January. It's not in Nick Montgomery's best. He's they've already gotten the payday for Kual. It's not in Nick Montgomery's best interest to potentially sacrifice short-term gain for any long-term benefit to Kual's career at this point. So, I think he was. I wonder though. I wonder though. Mm -hmm. Is it is is this short-term pain? Um, Should they be making the most of the the few Kual minutes that they have left? Well, it's that's an unknown, and when you've. if, if I, I think it's a, I think it's a known unknown though. I think if if he has an amazing career, what they'll want is they'll want to constantly run vision on socials of look when Qual did something cool for the Mariners. You need to get that sh- as much of that stuff as possible <laughs> in the can, so that when he has an amazing career, you can be like, oh, it all started here at the Mariners, and Nick Montgomery had full faith in him, and oh, he wouldn't be where he is today without Nick Montgomery. No. Well, Alex Alexis is going to be the treasure trove next week. It's his feature episode. I actually can't wait for that. That's going to be really. I, I tell good. you what, though, I love the fact that Alex Qual had a great game. Not Alabama. Garen Kowal had a great game yesterday. Alec Kowal had a couple changed. of great games as well. One of yeah. them against Western United. Uh, yeah, a comeback win against Western United. But Garen had a great game. Cummings had a better game. Um, yeah. And that was reflected in my match report for AAP. But I'm I can't help. About him. But I can't help the keeper. Can't help but notice that keeper, in an effort to promote A League's all access, instead chose to ran their own story entirely about Garen um, rather than pick up my AAP copy in that. But I did want to talk about Cummings. Now, if we're talking about bolstering cases for the World Cup, I think Cummings did his chances a bit more, uh, did it help his chances a bit more than Garo um, in, in this game. Uh, and I think Cummings wasn't there against Perth Glory, wasn't at the races, at Nick Montgomery said, as Nick Montgomery said, but... I feel as though if Jason Cummings doesn't drop a disaster class next week, um, he, he'd have he'd have the right to feel hard done by if he doesn't get a call up into the Socceroos team. Particularly when you look around the other attacking options that the Socceroos have, particularly internationally, 
and it feels like all of them are either in their off-season or they're not playing or they're hurt or a combination of the latter two. When is the squad announced or at least decided? November 8th. November 8th. So there is one more round of the A-League men before the squad is announced. Oh, you know what? There's going to be a lot of, is that the miss that cost him a place to Qatar or whatever? Uh, I love this stuff. I love it. I love the yeah. bolters. I love the sending a message to Graham Arnold. This this is the best stuff. Like we were saying the other week, these are the conversations that we are privileged to be having at the moment because of Australia scraping through and actually making it. It would be so depressing if we were having these games and we didn't have, um, you know, Qatar to, to speculate about. Um, yeah, it's but, true. But then we'll have the Asian Cup to speculate about. So that's good. <laughs> it always, it's, why it always international, it's why international football is better than club football because it gives these games meaning. Mm. Mm. Well, I um, can't wait for Matilda's Bolters chat next uh, <laughs> next year as well. It's going to be really good. Uh, can we read out some comments? As I yeah, like go on. Right. People toast. Geraldo, I'm torn between being impressed by him and thinking he's too raw for the World Cup, which I didn't think about Alzani four years ago being a bit older. What do you guys reckon? Too raw for the World Cup? Alzani was starting four years ago. Yeah, it's true. After, after Victory Youth Coach told Alu Kual that he was too raw to join the Youth Academy, I'm yeah. um, that that yeah. phrase kind of triggers me slightly. But a Youth Academy and a World Cup squad are two very different things, I suppose. Um, Ooh, no, cool. I I think I think Kual should go. Because there are going to be moments in games right. where Australia needs something unpredictable. Do you guys both take Qual and Cummings? Yes. Yeah. Job. I mean, it's 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 easy to say yes when you don't have to say who are you leaving out. Yeah. I, do you guys? I, do you guys take? And I'm not saying who you think Arnie would take. This is who you would take. Do you take okay. Qual, Cummings, and Azani? Can I rank them? Yep. Uh, I would probably take Cummings as yep. the first choice. Yep. Azani is the second choice. Cool is the third choice. Josh, your order? I would swap Qual and Azani in Joey's order. Ooh, I would swap Azani and Cummings in Joey's order. Ooh. Azani number one, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Azani, Azani hasn't blown me away. He's had one really good game out of the four. I, I just I just see him getting double and triple teams in these recent weeks. Uh, since he had that really game Adelaide, every time he gets on the ball, there's always two players coming to close him down and then a third one providing cover. And I just think, uh, like, there's a reason that's happening. And, you know, maybe in a, in a different system or maybe when he's actually got more regular football under his belt, we're seeing the mismatches that that extra defensive attention creates um exploited and maybe the confidence boost of the world cup call up helps him do that and just the simple matter of fact that you know he's really really talented i mean it would be great if all three of them could get in the squad yeah look i don't want to turn every single game that we review this week into a who how does this affect the world cup squad but i kind of feel like it will um because that really is what is interesting me about every single game the World Cup's less than a month out. It absolutely yeah. should be what this entire show is about. The World Cup's the biggest thing on the planet. Yeah. Um, all right, should we move on to the, the next game? Yeah. Yes. Let's, uh, I reckon let's go MacArthur 2, Sydney FC. Actually, no, I wanted to say one more thing. Nick Montgomery deserves significant credit for that game. 
because he's made series of subs. He's thrown a whole bunch of different players in. Uh, Garang has won the red card that shifts the game, and yeah. three of his other subs score goals. Yeah, like yeah. one can it's argue sure. that it would have might have come anyway, but yeah, results. Goals I mean, and assists. He's a, he's a managerial genius, and I would expect nothing else from someone who played under Neil Warnock. So, um, <laughs> all over them like a rash on Monty's chest. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy yourself, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> MacArthur 2, Sydney FC 3, uh, the Illuminati Conspiracy Edition, um, VAR. Uh, rearing its its ugly ugly head especially early in this one for the uh the penalty uh stole how did you how did you view uh this game should macarthur have got something out of it they almost did anthony carter who you know maybe this chat has been uh, a little critical of him uh in the past um you know, had that chance at the end where he struck the bar and, you know, would have been a great night. And, you know, people would have said, oh, you know, MacArthur in Fergie time after Sir Alexander Ferguson visited out there. By the way, never seen someone look more like an old man who got lost and then <laughs> like, genuinely. And then I, I, I can bet you what happened was, like, oh, yeah, I'll go see Dwight. You know, that'll be all right. And they're like, oh, yeah, MacArthur. And you're like, all right, how far could it be? And then he's just driving all the way out there, cow paddock after cow paddock. And eventually he gets there, all right, dude, let's just take the photo and go. Um, can you imagine, can you imagine if Sir Alex was the MacArthur manager after that game, can you imagine the press conference he would have given? Oh, yeah, yeah. Would it, it would have been, whoever was the doing the um, uh, sideline questions would have just got destroyed. Um, he, he, he wouldn't have been as level-headed and uh, respectful as Dwight York was. No, that, that's very true. Um, look, this game, look, I know it was defined um, by VAR. And look, I kind of get sick of games being defined by VAR. Not, I think I think some of that blame comes on VAR. I think a lot of it comes on the way that people just, any VAR intervention happens and it's the worst thing in history. I will say, I don't think the penalty was a penalty. I do think the red card was potentially a red card. Like, I, there, there seemed to be a lot of kind of chat about that. And it's hard because the angle's not great to decipher whether he is last man and da-da-da-da. But the guy was going towards goal. But last man is not the rule. It's okay, goal denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Okay. And can you deny a clear goal-scoring opportunity from that far out? I think you can. If the, if the player is through on goal, I think I think you can. I, it was going to be him well, with and the, the defensive cover. Well, there, there was defensive cover there as well. Sure, but then like this to me also becomes a thing of like I I just don't really don't like those type of fouls. I really don't like players through on goal and then the other player basically just rugby tackles them to deny them the opportunity. I and don't want to see that in the game. As, so I, I don't Stephen, mind that. As Stefan also points out in the comments, at that point, Wood didn't even have control of the ball. Sure, but the ball the ball's going like he's running onto the ball. So if you if you put but a ball he doesn't have control box, of it at that point. It's it does yeah, that okay. mean it's clear? So hold on, so hold on. So if a cross comes into the box and I just go and I rugby tackle some guy out the out the way, right? I go, you didn't even have control of the ball. Yeah, because the ball you didn't give me a chance. I'm gonna to pick up on what I'm, I'm gonna pick up on your qualify there, Stoll. In the yeah. box. This okay, wasn't in the, the box. box. So you can run outside the box, anyone, this was thirty meters. So if they don't have the control of the ball, you're allowed to foul someone. Is that what you're saying? This, to me, just smacked of re-refereeing the game. I don't. I didn't think it was clear and obvious error. I, I don't think. My understanding is that that isn't a thing anymore. Clear and obvious. They don't. They don't even define that. Like, so, so they just re-ref the game now. 
Well, well, well I, I mean, that's the precedent that's been set by every use of VAR on every continent in every league. So, yes. I just Aside think... from Adam Kersey today, who, who really zagged, he really decided, I'm reffing this myself and I'm not letting anybody in a box tell me what to do. So and stay to be on this fair, game. he got it right. That wasn't a well, penalty. Uh, we'll get on to that, but I I agree with you, Stoll. I, I think he was running onto the ball. He was going to be through on goal. I, I think those type of fouls need to be penalised yeah. as a Out of deterrent. The game. Out of the game. All right, they're because so it, annoying. It, it distracts. It detracts from attacking football, essentially. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. we see so many of them in the middle of the pitch. Who that I, you know, honestly, this isn't uh, per the laws of the game, but maybe it can be moving forward. If there is literally no attempt at a footballing challenge, if it is literally a rugby tackle, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind red cards for those as well, whether they're last man or not. You know, yeah. it might be chaos for it's one of those things where it might be chaos for a few weeks and red cards galore and then you stamp it out of the game. So I, 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 just, I think this is absolutely a red card. I've always thought that those yeah, rugby tackles where you just you're clearly just basically the decision has been made. I need to make a tactical foul here. I need to get my players behind the ball. Uh, it happens all the time in football. It happens at the highest level. It happens in the A League. I hate them. I hate them so much because I think they do ruin momentum of games. And what what I like what I like in football is chances. I love lots of chances, mm. and and to see chances denied, how clear you know goal scoring they are. Uh, I think it's a big frustration. So I don't mind that. The penalty wasn't a penalty, and that was a stupid call, and that was a weird one. And I understand why MacArthur would be quite frustrated. Um, but shall we, you know, uh, shall we welcome in Nick DeBarno just, from me, the me... adjacent Amy Park press box? How are you, Nick? Can't hear you, Nick. Going to go to back to Joey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to make one point. I'm on mute. I'm make, uh, yeah, I'll make one point. Like, we're, we're having this debate. I said this last week on the show. I'm going to say it again this week oh, on the Jesus. show, and I'll say it every week now from whenever we get these VR countries with you again. The problem is that us three idiots, now four idiots, are going to sit here discussing that none of us have done a referee's course. None of us have said Oh, come on, Joey. Shut no, up. No, 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 I, no, 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 no. I, no, I can't no, have no, you do let, this again. You said the same thing last week. Yeah, no, I know. I'm going to keep the saying same it. rant every week. We can just record it and play it again if you All want. All right, what am I going to say? Just putting in the steam <laughs> just what am I going to say, Josh? Steel every week. Oh, I haven't done a referee's course, so therefore I can't comment. But we need more transparency from the people. It's that's fence sitting. Everybody's got an opinion on referee decisions. It's fine to have one. Right. Everybody none has an us, opinion. None of us have done a coaching course either. And none of us have talk, talking about yeah, that. But the thing is, Stolt, none of us have done a coaching course. But I can go and ask the que- go and ask questions to both coaches after every single game, and yeah. they do interviews and all of that sort of stuff, and they explain their decision making process. It's not sitting on the Some, fence. Sometimes it's, they do. It's, sometimes it's, they grunt. It's simply saying that if right, you Dad. want to take some of the toxicity out of this, you need to make take proactive steps to educate and communicate. And I, I, I mean, don't think it's unreasonable. I also just think it's like. Yeah, look, the referee makes a bad call and the VAR make, well, the VAR makes a bad call with that penalty. It's okay. The VAR makes a bad call. You don't have to like, rah, 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 rah. I'm never watching the A-League again. You know, da, 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 da. it's okay. All right. There's a lot, there's a lot many other reasons to not watch the A-League. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't worry about that one. Yeah, I, that, I mean, if as long as you don't have your life savings riding on the game, shouldn't be that upset about it. 
and Look, don't have your life savings riding on the game, you know? A thousand percent. And also, I think um, friend of the pod, uh, Max Rushton, said on his pod this week, he goes, VAR is great when it goes for you, and it's terrible when it goes against you. And that's just it, all right? That's just... That let's not let's stop pretending. All right, if we get the dodgiest VAR goal against France, you think we're not going to be absolutely loving it? And if we get, <laughs> you know, it's we have something dodgy against us uh, in France, VAR, VAR, kick it out of the thick, blah blah blah. It's I, fine. I I would still rather live with the mistakes personally and just preserve football being an organic experience. You know, because I, I hate that. I hate that. Um, we can't celebrate the goal yet because we don't know whether it's going to be just allowed. That's Bullshit. the one thing I really We celebrate hate. goals all the time, all right? In fact, we you celebrate it. We saw today with Sam Sutton. You celebrate it, and then the goal, <laughs> then when it says it's a goal, you celebrate again. Double the celebration. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's subdued. I'm going to go to Dubano. Uh, you've got your mic unmuted. Where do, you, where do you stand on all of this? On all the refereeing stuff, like the VAR, because I feel like we've dovetailed and gone all over the place. <laughs> it's TNC, man. What did you expect? Oh, man. I, I don't know. Like, what, which one in particular are we talking about? VAR in general or the one from the MacArthur-Sydney game? Because, again, I've just finished following, so I just want to get uh, a bit of a thing. MacArthur-Sydney? MacArthur-Sydney, any points you'd like to raise on this one? Refereeing related oh, I, I saw I saw like 45 minutes of the game. And, I mean, from the I saw the, the red card. I don't know what we're doing there. Like... I didn't agree with the decision whatsoever. Um, but I think we could have an opinion on refereeing calls. Like, just being honest, I just think we can. Like, that's what the point of this podcast is, to have an opinion. Like, we don't... Sorry, Joey, I know that we don't I'm have to worry about... we can't have opinions. <laughs> what I'm saying is that if we're going to get keep getting told about there being a refereeing crisis at junior levels and grassroots levels, it's incumbent upon the FA and the APL to use some of their resources to address these issues. And if they're not going to can VAR and all of that sort of stuff, we need to find other solutions. And that ergo, that is taking oxygen out of the debate. Can I can I just say one thing? Uh, we've got a comment coming in. Uh, our leaguer, Nick, is very unprepared. I think he must be talking about Dabana. Come on, that, that can't be a shot at me. <laughs> Second of all, unless you have done a podcasting course, do not come on this <laughs> thing in your comment and start criticizing us, right? <laughs> You're discouraging. To, at, at a junior level, we can't find any people willing to do oh. podcasts. Don't we want to encourage podcast transparency? I think after the show, you, could, you should come out and either apologize or explain why you've yeah. come on here. Yeah. Do that watching mm. the game. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know I'm right. Uh, yeah. you, you're mocking me, but you know I'm right. You know I'm putting for no, no. you, you, you are right. You are definitely right about the way that um, referees are treated, especially at a junior level. And the way referees are treated in the stadium is disgraceful, and it does have an impact, which is a massive concern and should be a massive concern uh, for Wall Street. I 100% agree with you on that. But... You know, it's all good. Like, I just think everyone just relax a little bit and, you know, enjoy some tomatoes. That's really it. I, I knew that one was coming. The second you said... said just boring. <laughs> the second you said everyone relax a little bit, I knew the tomatoes were coming up there, Stoll. Don't, 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 don't. I, 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 your playbook's getting quite simple now. <laughs> <laughs> it's one, it's route one, isn't it? Um, speaking of simple playbooks, uh, Steve Corica bringing on Max Burgess at the 88th minute mark for Anthony Caceres. Looks like the end of the job share was uh, heralded a little too early. Yeah, look, Bano disappears, and me and Bano are on the same Wi-Fi. How is he? 
I don't know. I heard that. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It keeps freezing. (laughs) I'm starting to think this is, I'm starting to think I'm just cursed. Like I I genuinely curse, like Cummings level curse with the VAR right now. I reckon it's time to bring in uh, young boy, Lockie Flanagan. Lockie, are you ready to fight for every ball here? Are you ready to unleash hell on the podcast? I am now. Uh, now that I've unmuted myself, I am indeed. Um, it's great to be to be back here. I thought that my my TNC future was done after I was traded away to a, a Scottish podcast without my knowledge. Uh, glad to to have got that settled in the courts. I'd like to thank my lawyer S Goodman for making sure my contract with TNC was uh, was honoured. So great to be back. Um, disappointing just, just, to to gu- come into the yeah. Go on, Joey. Lucky, I just I know you've got a lot of hype. You're a young player with a lot of hype. There are a lot of people excited about excited about you. You're coming off the bench in this one. You're being introduced after we've already started. Just know you've achieved nothing yet. It's true. And it is also disappointing when my first entrance into the stream is I hear Stoll going, There's no young people out there who want to get involved in podcasts and they don't have the enthusiasm. I'm like, Nick, I'm literally in the backstage. Like, let me in. Let me out of coach. <laughs> Look, young boy, it's look, it's good you've stepped up, but I just I just really concerned about your work rate already. You're not tracking back, you're not kind of you know getting back into position, kind of equivocating what you've said already. I just look, you've got flashes of brilliance, all right? But that's not what we need, all right? We need end product and we need hard work. We need you to track back and have end product, all right? Okay, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. We need you to I'll track back it, and I'll... we need you to backtrack. <laughs> well see I, I would say i'll try and be a 90 minute player but i know that's not really the uh the modus operandi on this particular program uh, two hours plus baby two hours hey, plus you gotta have can ticker I, can i bring it back to the game for one second yes. that, that's not what i like to do but so and and it's a it's a comment that matthew pappas uh raises corica putting in retro before burgess with a man advantage at halftime is straight out of the playbook so senior fc goal man up and really didn't kill off this game particularly well. And it was it was something that I kind of noticed in a few games is the inability for so many teams to kill off uh, games. And I think, you know, it, that would be a worry for Sydney FC fans. Sydney FC are kind of having a bit of a strange season. I'm not sure whether they're good or not. Uh, again, when they went up and they were up a man against Adelaide last week, they didn't seem, well, it was a two-all draw. They really seemed to, to struggle even with the man advantage and Corica, I guess once again, this is kind of always been our uh, criticism of um, Mr. Sydney as he is known by one documentary and one documentary only uh, is, is the lack of risk in his, his game. And, and I think that was just a kind of another, you know, example of that. The positive signs uh, for Sydney, you know, Robert Mack uh, playing quite well, which is exciting um, from them. Segacic getting his first goal. Um, I think it was set up by another uh, kid from the academy as well. So, you know, once again, there are, there is talent coming out of Sydney FC. It's just what scope do they get to, to be talented? And, uh, you know, I, I wish to see more of that. I think it was uh, Jaden Kaczarski actually getting some minutes for once, which yeah. was very refreshing. Um, yeah. Uh, he's been very, very good in the NPL. So I'm glad to see him get get a little bit of scope. Um, uh, obviously, Burgess, you know, I think we've set our piece on on Burgess and why he's not involved. I don't understand why Corica signed him. I don't really, I don't really get it. If he didn't rate him, well, why wasn't did he it a case him? of 
Burgess wanted to go to Sydney? No, look, I think he rated him. I just think he, you know, I think he looked at him as a potential um, replacement for Ninkovic, uh, which was why the job share thing was happening for so long. And then he's decided to change system and he's not really sure where to play Burgess in that. You know, he's not a winger in the Joe Lolly kind of, you know, either cut inside and take a shot or, or beat a man on the outside and get a cross in. You know, he's not kind of, Robert Max, they've identified those positions. And then he prefers Caceres in that kind of number eight role, which is probably where he's best positioned. So, and you know, Caceres, you know, I look, I would prefer Burgess over Caceres, but Caceres is, you know, creating opportunities and, and having his moments. So it's probably hard to dislodge him. But I guess the other thing as well for Sydney, which was uh, Patrick Wood looking quite good because LaFondra, um, Obviously, he's been great for many years, but I kind of felt like he was a bit in decline last season as well. And then you know, he's picked up an injury now. You, probably the, the long-term future of LaFondra at CNFC, I, I don't really see it. So it's important that they have that position, you know, kind of reinforced. Well, it's it's it, we are legitimately confronting the situation wherein Patrick Wood might be a better fit in this system than Adam LaFondra, yeah, which yeah. might sound sacrilegious based on resumes. But, I mean, even if you look at... Um, the opening rounds of the season before LaFondra got hurt. I mean, in round one against Melbourne Victory, I think he touched the ball nine times and didn't have a single shot. Um, in the, Now, obviously, that's the first game in a new system and you need adjustment periods, but Wood has generally looked pretty comfortable in that system. And it's not like Mac and Lolly have existing chemistry with either striker, they're, they're probably happy to play with either of them because they don't know who either of them are. So this being the A-Leagues, one would anticipate that Adam LaFondra will come back into the starting lineup when he's fit to do so because this competition almost by rule doesn't start young players um, up top like that um, with responsibility on their shoulders. However, there are legitimate questions as to if it is the right move, the way that would is currently playing. Because I think if you're Sydney, looking at their first four weeks in the season, it is, I think it's become very apparent that they are going to go, wherever they go this season will be where Robert Mack and Joe Lolly take them. Their entire attack is most, it's Mack, Lolly and friends. The offensive output is primarily through those two wingers, whether that's cutting inside, um, combining with each other even sometimes. So if you're Corica and you want success this season, you have to stick with a 4-3-3 because that yeah. deploys wingers and Mac and Lolly are your best players. And then if you're genuinely wanting success, it has to be who do you deploy to best complement Mac and Lolly. And at the moment, you could say that that's Wood. Well, I, you know, one of the things really interesting is there was this whole talk about Corica's changing the team and the formation and da-da-da. Relying on two players to as as your offensive weapons, as opposed to your system, reminds me very much of Sydney FC in the past, where it was all about Ninkovic and one other. You know, whether that was Baumjohan or whether that was Mejewski or whatever. So you might change formation, but you're still relying on the individual qualities of players, as opposed to having multiple options and multiple ways of creating goals, which I think becomes an issue because you know Joe Lolly, I think. You know, from what I've seen, he's good, but he can get a bit hot and cold in games. He can kind of, you know, 
phase in and out. Robert Mack, I not, haven't kept that close an eye on him. But it's one thing that I'm a little bit kind of concerned about Sydney FC. I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, Mack and Lolly will be the way for you to have an amazing season. But it's a weird season. I think there's a lot of teams in the A-League that, you know, aren't great. And there's going to be a lot of inconsistencies. And the World Cup's going to answer that. One quick thing I just wanted to add on this game was MacArthur had a record uh, crowd for them, which is good. Um, you know, we talked a lot about crowds last week. Uh, but, you know, it's good for them that they got the crowd Obviously, most of those probably were Sydney FC fans. Um, but, you know, I think even that's okay that Sydney FC fans wanted to travel out there. Probably maybe Sydney FC fans have a lot of fans in that area. Um, it was good for them to go. But there was, I think, maybe there's not a derby there, but it's good if a rivalry is starting to develop where MacArthur fans, the small amounts that there are, really hate Sydney FC. And I think that if they can, you know grow that hatred that will be good for them going forward so hopefully there is something there what do you what do you think about sydney trying to no sell the derby angle on social media and so forth and uh western united tried to you know spice up a derby with victory victory over the last couple of years have tried to no sell it in similar fashion joey i think an issue like this most other leagues in the world it's fine it's probably good because you want your, you know, any possible threats to crash and burn and all of that sort of stuff. As I said last week on this show, the A-Leagues exist in this special universe wherein it can only ever be as strong as its weakest link. They exist. It's a closed shop. If um, it's a closed shop, there's no promotion. There's no relegation. All the teams are going to be here next season. So, in that particular universe, in this special set of rules that the APL and these 12 clubs have set up for themselves, something like that doesn't make sense. So, like, if you're Sydney FC, you get some cool engagement points on social media from all that sort of stuff. But if your fans don't care about MacArthur, MacArthur can never draw a good crowd and they end up collapsing, what ends up happening? you end up having to bail them out and you and your other 10 teammates in the competition end up having to bail them out. So like it's self-defeating in a way because like what are you achieving by it? In the long run, this is the universe you've set up for yourself and these are the rules you need to play by if you want to maintain your privileged position in Australian football. That's how I see it. If this was a normal football league, I'd be its biggest fan, but it's not. So you have to look at it with that lens. So what you're saying is, Joey, the uh, the A-League amends would be far better if everyone was a lot more like that Victory fan who was uh, caught on camera celebrating City's goal today. That's that's what we need. Giant foam finger the- that just says A-Leagues on it. <laughs> no, we don't have A-League t-shirts it back. Be, it would be awful, but that is the universe that the A-Leagues clubs have sort of, the rules that they've hoisted upon themselves by existing in this closed league setup. The other thing I wonder is how much is this just whoever runs the Twitter accounts and how much is this an actual club policy? Like, I don't know how social works at A-League clubs, but like when Sydney FC tweet back, like, I don't know, whatever, you know, this isn't a derby, haha, I'll, you know, you guys are from a, what you guys are too far away from us to be a derby, blah, blah, blah. Like how much is that just like the Twitter admin trying to get more engagement and how much is it like, hey, you know, CEO of the club, what is our vision in terms of 
um, Sydney MacArthur going forward. I can't imagine it's the latter. I would imagine it's just the former. And maybe we shouldn't read too much into the Twitter. Well, if it's the former, though, does that suggest maybe a problem with the club's marketing strategy and communication strategy that um, one person controlling the Twitter account can effectively torpedo a derby, which I very much imagine Sydney, for the sake of their bottom line, would like to achieve, like to see grow and become something good for their crowd numbers and the like. Yeah, I mean, look, to me, the whole thing with this is, and Josh said it once on the pod, and I've never forgotten it, and it's like, what do you want this? What do you want for this league? And it is, I want this every game to matter. I want as many games as possible to matter. And so, you know, derbies matter. We 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 see that in the amount of fans. Is big blues matter. Um, you know, top of the table clashes when they're featuring big teams matter. Um, you know, Melbourne victory v Adelaide matters. Some of these games don't. Let's be honest, and that and that's sucks. And so anything you can do to make as many of these fixtures matter and look a bigger conversation, but promotion and relegation would make more games matter and blah, 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 blah. But that is the central argument that should be at APL. How can we make as many games as possible matter to both sets of fans and then the wider football fans? I, I think there's probably a counter argument that by no selling it it's sort of a reverse psychology thing where you make all the macarthur fans of which there are few we know but all of them say hey you can't say that about our club you know and inspire a bit of blowback you know in that respect and um you know it's but it is kind of a sad state of affairs when the only you know possible way to to sell this fixture if you're sydney fc is to say look at this joke club that we're playing against (laughs) like it's not great and Nick, look, Melbourne City tried that with Western United. We had the whole not a derby thing. And then look at what happened in round one, defending premiers against defending champions and that crowd. If I agree with Stoll. If you tell people that the games don't matter, they'll believe you. Well, let's go on to a game that, that felt like it, uh, it mattered well, little in the grand scheme of things. Um, no, let's not do that. Uh, let's let's instead go to a more entertaining game. Melbourne City 2, Wellington 2. Uh, three of us in the press box for this one. I'll start with you, Debano. Uh, what did you make of this? Melbourne City looked to be cruising to a win and they let it slip. Yeah, I mean, that was the exact same words of Paddy Kisnobo after the game. It was a game of two halves. He felt that they took their foot off the gas in the second half and really let Wellington back into the game. And they came out of the front, the the blocks, you know, really with intent to press high, win the ball, do the all the all the city stuff that we've come to know. Um, and to Marco Tilio's credit, he took his chance. I mean, he set up the penalty. He took his goal well. Um, and it looked like I thought City were going to run away with quite a convincing win up until probably about the 70th minute. Um, but to Wellington's credit, I mean, the subs they made changed the game. We spoke, we saw the subs yesterday in the Mariners-Western United game uh, do that to a similar effect. But the changes that... It was funny because Uffi made those changes at the start of the game to bench those players. And then those same players who he benched actually came on and effectively won, uh, got a point for him in the end. Guys like Barbarousas, Yugarkovic's fi- final five minutes, he played that selling ball through to Ben Old, which then found its way to Barbarousas. Um, we saw Krajev, Zavada, those guys really get into the game. And at the end of the day, 
Well, into a good value for their point. I uh, got to give them a lot of credit, a lot of resiliency to come back and get that game because it was petering out to just a 2-0 cruisy Melbourne City win. And I think City did take their foot off the gas. They stopped pushing. It looked like they just kind of were comfortable with where they were. And it's two points dropped for them. It's quite simple. Um, and maybe Wellington's found a bit of a, a potential, I wouldn't say a weakness, but maybe just something to keep in mind that like, you know, their defense is still in some moments, especially in some transition moments. Melbourne City looked a little bit leaky going back the other way, especially with the Barbarossa goal was very well telegraphed. Um, you know, Ben Smith here with the Agarkovic pass and everything. But even before that, I mean, Wellington had chances and to their credit, they got a point for it. So, um, you know what? I think they were great value. Melbourne City, I think the biggest story to come out of it is Marco Tilio playing those 70 minutes, 70 odd minutes. And I thought had a great game and really furthered his case for Socceroos selection. I think he couldn't have done much more um, to do that. And tell you what, it's made it that little bit harder now for Rani um, in a couple of weeks' time when he has to pick, you know, between him, Qual, Lazani. I think Marco Tilio, with the last two performances, especially with what he did today, he shot himself right back to the front of the queue. And I reckon if he puts in one more big performance against Perth Glory, I reckon his spot is sealed. Lockie, your your takeaways? Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. I think Tilio is effectively... Just when we thought we were ready to uh, to to put the put the line through him, to use a vernacular of a, a, a different different uh, podcast, um, he's he's completely salvaged his uh, his his chances of, of making sure he's on board that plane. I'm not sure I, I would be quite as charitable um, as Nick to 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 Phoenix. Like, yes, they they did start to create chances in the final 20 minutes of of the game when they made those subs. When Yugarkovic came in, it made a massive massive difference. But also. This game very could very well could have been over at halftime when the original Phoenix Eleven was out there in the park. And while you could look at it as though, oh well, Talai's decision to to fire them up a little bit, you know, sort of worked because it drove them to the comeback in the second forty-five. I was kind of just left feeling like, why did many of these players, why weren't they there to be begin with? Because yes, you did eventually come back, but when those players did eventually come on, if City took a few more chances that they had in the first half, it it, it might have been a moot point, the introduction of, you know, Krajev, the introduction of Yugarkovic. I mean, Yugarkovic basically showed more movement in his nine-minute cameo. And, I mean, just his run to to create the the equaliser, the the um, multiple progressive carries before giving the ball off to uh, Ben Old, who sets up Barbarossa's. I mean, he, he created more movement there than pretty much the, the the starting double pivot did in, in all the minutes prior. So, I mean, yes, it was great for Wellington to to get the comeback, and I think City will be left to, to rue the fact that the game wasn't put away earlier. But it, I can't help but wonder what we might have seen happen if, if someone like Yugakovic started the game. Because the, the two goals that, that Phoenix conceded uh, came from pressure situations. You know, City pressing and forcing Wellington into a turnover. They didn't have a pressure reliever in that midfield. Pennington, the, the Chad, he's an energetic off-the-ball character, but if two players are closing in on him, he's not someone who's got the sort of technical nous to, to dribble around them and, and get free. Um, Yugarkovic is, and, and yeah, I can't help but wonder what might have been if, um, if those players did start to begin with. Is this, is this a motivational tactic from Uffi? Is he like chief? Oh, it, it, it absolutely was. He's he him, 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 singing off key. 
Yeah, no, he said he said as much. I'm I'm pretty sure in the in the post match press conferences that he wanted to sort of put a message out to some of the first choice eleven that you know no one's position is is safe and we've got strength uh, across the park. But I mean, ultimately he's been vindicated, I suppose. But we could have been talking about a four nil game at halftime. Let's be real, but the, hang on, like. Sorry to play devil's advocate here, but bar the two goals in that first half, as much as Melbourne City were really good, what other chances did they really create in the first half? I mean, when you look back at the stats as well, their open play XG was only 1.05, and that basically came from the Tilio goal. Their chances in the first half weren't actually that great. I mean, they just had the flow of the play, and they were able to win it high, but they weren't necessarily penetrating that Wellington defense that much. Wellington just were not very good in the first half, I thought. So I do see a point there, Lockie, but on the same token, bar maybe that penalty shout in the second half as well, there weren't many great opportunities for Melbourne City to really put the game to bed. They should have because they had the whole flow of the game. But once they got again to the 18-yard box, it looks like they were really struggling to actually create and fashion those chances. Um, So I think there was – I like – I. Again, I see your point about, you know, that City probably should have put the game to bed and probably with the flow of the play. But again, when they got inside the box, the chances they actually had and put pressure on Ollie Sale, there weren't too many else other than those two goals. Don't apologize for playing devil's advocate, Devano. You, with that facial hair, you've got to be the villain of the podcast. So advocating for the devil is well, like... Well, I, sco- I scored today, did I not? I've got five <laughs> this year. <laughs> uh, Stoll, Phil Rollo yep. in the comments says the Phoenix revival is starting. After you slammed them last week, the remontada has begun. Maybe it wasn't Ufuk Tale who, who sent a rocket up his, his star play. Maybe it was you. Well, look, Rolo, all right? You you came on this podcast, and we love you coming on this podcast. You you, are, you give great insights, but you said you, are, you Australians are so lazy putting the Phoenix ninth in your preview, and I had put the Phoenix ninth in my preview, so I felt especially attacked by that. But if I look... At the table today, right now, as we speak live, let's have a look at it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth, ninth position, Wellington Phoenix. So I just think that's where they naturally are. You know, that's their natural habitat, the Phoenix, ninth. So. Uh, as I told you guys, teams are playing yellow and black, finishing ninth. That's the thing. Although I would have to say... Uh, I thought that was a Borussia well, Dortmund joke. No. Looking at a uh, Phillips comment there, it, it doesn't appear as though that was a message to Stoll. The lack of comma suggests suggests to me that the Phoenix have started something called a Stoll. They've fired up something <laughs> called a Stoll. Well, uh, now I can see why they're rising. That's the, if, if, if you want the revival to start, they've got to put you in the eleven. That's the answer. Stoll, Stoll. From what I heard Hashtag from a very start, valuable. Stoll. Yeah, a very on. valuable source on the ground inside the, the tunnel. They walked yeah. past the Wellington uh, change rooms and they saw your head on a dartboard with your <laughs> quote talking smack about Wellington. Well, uh, I, I'm pretty sure video footage emerged during the week showing that Stoll is a somewhat handy goalkeeper that uh, assumes excuse goalkeeping gloves and prefers to just keep with his feet. Nah, I tell you what happened there. So I was lucky enough to play in the John Moriarty uh, Foundation charity match. It was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, turns out in those games, when the goals are quite small, you need a really good goalkeeper. And we didn't have that. Uh, and it was also important to start building attacks. So I was playing very much Libero. 
Um, so that's what I, by the way, playing on that pitch, what a pitch. Oh my goodness. Like don't let any single player complain about a bad first touch on that pitch the whole season. I felt like Zidane. It was unbelievable. I, 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 I can only assume that John Moriarty, uh, the invitation sent to the TNC slash the Far Post Dream Team to take part in that tournament was lost in the mail. I just, yeah, I, mean, uh, so I just want to answer uh, Ben Smith's question here. How many goals would Dustin Martin score if he played for Wellington? <laughs> well, it depends what role he's playing, Ben. If he's playing the dusty role at full forward as, or as one of the number nines, I reckon he could win the Johnny Warren. Potentially well, playing I a bit deeper in midfield, they might need him next what week. If Buddy Franklin played for the Socceroos, no, all right. <laughs> Does, all right. Did, did you know say. that Adam Goods had a uh, a soccer background? Is that is that common no. knowledge? Hey. As Joseph has asked, has Jason Horn Francis done enough to be in contention for Qatar? Well, uh, Joseph, I mean, look, he's had surgery on both his knees. I, I don't, know I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> Who's Joseph? That's... Jason Francis. That's... He's a bolter. He's a bolter. <laughs> Uh, we're really being let down. None of our uh, New South Wales viewers are leaving NRL comments for Stoll to score last one. Like, like I would know anyone in the NRL. Where's, uh, where's, where's, Do- where's Dr. Firmina? They're coming in here, Stoll. <laughs> I know one one player in the NRL, Ronaldo, who plays for um, Cronulla. And I just liked him because he was born in 98 and his name's Ronaldo. I, his dad, his dad's a legend. Anyway. Uh, the one My thing is... The Trebojevic's because one of their relatives works for Football Australia. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I was watching, um, it was the Adelaide game and the sideline commentator was like, oh, in AFL, you'd say this is a five goal win. I was like, what does that mean? Like what, the wind? Like you, goals? When, you, when, you, when you kick with the wind, it's like yeah. having a five goal advantage. I have five you make goals. The most of it. Yeah. There is such a thing as a five goal win, mate. But how many, how many Didn't goals? did you have it when you win? played? How many so goals with the wind in Wellington carry? That's what we need to <laughs> need to work but, out. But, but, I mean, wouldn't it be more of playing a, with a five-goal Wellington wind? If watch it's out. playing in well, if it's playing in Wellington, wouldn't it be like a five-try win? <laughs> I don't know if the wind helps you score tries. So, didn't you We've used to play? So massively <laughs> off topic. Stoll, when you played junior soccer, didn't you have like those moments when you play it like a really open pitch and you have the really strong wind and like kicking yeah. with the wind? So the 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 directive from the coach was kick it long, man. Fast number no, nine. No, because Aussie DNA. as we all know, Nick Stoll's junior coach was Craig Foster and he wouldn't let him kick the ball off the ground. You know, you had to keep <laughs> on the deck, play out from the back. I actually, like, no joke. So Foz was on our charity team for Stan and he actually tries to even make the Stan <laughs> workers who are like, you know, people from marketing, people who never played football before. He's still trying to encourage them to like, yeah, yeah, just pass a move. Yeah, yeah, no, don't panic at the back, you know. No need to launch it, you know. <laughs> He's the best. Before He's the best we move player. on. Can definitely say stole as the third place finisher in the Banyul Bears under 15s best and fairest. There absolutely is a fit such thing as a five goal wind in footy. All right, well, good. I mean, look, probably the most of the people watching in Adelaide and Perth understood what that reference was, but I mean, he me, could have just made the Banyul like... Bears up, you know. <laughs> That's oh, a real team, man. Oh, I was oh, like a Scott Wine style uh, ruckman, all taps and handballs, no kicking. I want to know, stole who is. Out of the sort of TV personalities, the non-ex-footballers, yeah. who was the, the most surprisingly good? Um, who I, Look, I didn't really get to... Um, there was a couple of good players who play uh, who were playing for the A-Leagues team. So I think that's the APL's team. Um, no one that you would like... You know, it wasn't like Rich Bayless and Dave Weiner were playing or anything, but um, they had a couple of good players, so well done to them. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I you know what? I will say, um, having Grace Gill on your team seems to be a massive advantage for Paramount Plus. So shout out Grace Gill because I saw her ripping it uh multiple times. And Slip this has probably already been mentioned. Toby mentioned on the podcast as well. If there's one thing about with when you're with Grace Gill, don't uh, criticize her fantasy team too early on the on the show, as oh, Teo wow. learned yesterday with Jason Cummings. <laughs> at the end of the Coming day, up on TNT. Um, <laughs> Grace Gill's been putting Teo on blast. I mean, where's the apology? Where's the apology? <laughs> where's my apology, Teo? Uh, hey. hey, guys. We know you love your footy, but perhaps you fancy a bit of rugby too. If so, then why not check out ESPN Scrum Reset, where Sam Bruce and Christy Doran discuss all the hot topics in the game, from Super Rugby to the Wallabies and All Blacks, and even further afield. Available wherever you get your pods. Just before we do it, just before we go on to the next game, I wanted to know because we're at this point, what did you guys think of A League All Access Kiss Norbo Edition? I actually didn't mind it. I actually didn't mind it. I thought it was all right. There's a couple of things. Does he, in fact, go to parks and visualize the games before they happen? And what was he visualizing today? Uh, I don't know, Stoll. All I know is that I have a lot of respect for him for going to Brunetti's and doing his pregame prep there because I used to go to Brunetti's do my uni prep there. So, like... Anyone that does prep at Brunetti's, it's a big tick in the Dubano uh, in the Dubano books. So uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. You know what? What I liked is that he seems to at least know uh, five words in every language. He was like Dale Chao, which is like Spanish, and then he seemed to be speaking, I don't know, something to Barisha um, at one stage, and then he had Italian going. I was I was impressed with Kisnorbo's seemingly proficiency on Duolingo. Well, he's half Italian, half Mauritian, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's quite, you know, proficient with multiple languages. Still. Like, and he's played hey, over the world as well. Anyone who's watched an A League game at nil nil should be proficient on Duolingo. No, the owl's <laughs> right there. <laughs> 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 was it your idea stole for like a different word every time like a duolingo challenge when it's nil nil 100 <laughs> percent. it would have made melbourne victory brisbane better uh as someone who always appreciates a, a window into the the mind of a coach especially one like pk and his his motivational tactics uh enjoyed it uh, as someone who likes to have a large uh, bevy of reaction memes that i can use during a league games that i can just screen record uh, i enjoyed it even more uh, only complaint is that these episodes uh, are only 20 minutes i know they're they're only operating on uh, tight time frames but as pk said i want more and more and more <laughs> and more <laughs> Right. I, I thought you were going to say I, I like a large bevy. Like I think you're talking about <laughs> your drinking habits. Unrelated. I, I I do wonder the next Melbourne derby. Like you know how they use the like it was like he said to Tilia, "You're going to let um, Stefan Negro dominate you." Surely, like if you're Stefan Negro going into the next Melbourne derby, that's in the back of your head. Even all the victory players he was rattling off and saying, "You're going to let such and such dominate you," like. It does add that little bit of extra, all right. Like next time I come up against you, like I'm not gonna. There, there might be some big tackles. I don't know. Come on, I'm just saying. Tell me you guys didn't laugh when he said "unleash hell." That has <laughs> got to be the funniest thing I've seen I in this documentary so it. far. I like, loved it. Unleash hell, mate. Come on. I loved it, bro. 
I've watched some of your teams, PK. That is hell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Lockie, oh, you. Right. I thought it was here? a good episode. I thought it was a good episode. I did. I did oh, like. Yeah, all, all they all they need <clears> to um, <throat> unleash hell is just a, a ball, have lots of the possession, and then a set defense in in front of them. It's uh, it's it's pretty simple. That is hell. Um, but it, it, I just wanted to touch on the the sort of motivational stuff as well. I do think that. PK, who was described by one of his own players, uh, Andrew Naboot, in the sort of promo to this as being like a, a drill sergeant. I do think with that sort of, are you going to let Stefan Nigro, you know, get under your skin? Are you going to be the person who is responsible for coughing up the goal? I think he stumbled on a really uh, effective way of motivating your average footballer, which is, you know, get at their egos. Yeah. accuse them of being the one who's going to let True. the team down in this really cohesive, almost, I don't want to say military-like, uh, you know, in, environment, but it is very regimented. And I, th- I think he's tapping into a, an interesting um, approach there, I guess. Well, I, can I, I would say, hate that. I, would yeah. hate well, I wouldn't like it either, but I think but for I'm motivating also, players, it would work. Well, we're on podcasts. Yeah. Like, we're, not, we're not professional athletes. We don't respond to that crap. All right, we're just, like, if someone told me to unleash hell, I'd just start laughing and I'd like start playing the, the gladiator music. And then, you know, I'd be, you know, doing Russell Crowe memes and like, but they'd be like, mate, we're professional footballers. Get out there. Like, that's not how it's going to happen. One thing I would say um, that I found very interesting, he said he wants to be one of the best coaches in the world. Now, maybe coaches just say that. That seemed like more ambition than I would have expected from him, maybe to openly. I mean, I guess everyone wants to be the best coach world, but it did. He did seem like he had plans beyond the A League, more so than I would have expected. Um, I didn't watch it, um, <laughs> although from the the clips that I have seen, I would concur with uh, our good friend Geraldo that it seemed to be passion um, edition of the show. I. Coming back, though, to the point Lockie made surrounding, you know, are you going to be the one that makes the error and sort of like, are you going to do your job and that sort of thing? It is interesting talking about that because it's going to be interesting to watch maybe moving forward and maybe if it keeps working when, let's face it, since he's become a coach, PK's never really gone through a sustained period of adversity, has he? Like he's always sort of had the best team in the league. Other teams have been, you know, I mean, Melbourne City with a, he survived COVID better than any other side in terms of the players they were able to retain and the resources. So it's it would be interesting to see whether that hellfire and brimstone motivational style, um, how that plays out when the tidings are bad. Because it does, I was speaking about this with a um, person that works in elite sport that isn't football. Um, the other day and she was telling me about how there are trends are increasingly towards a more holistic approach and communication and trying to figure out like she raised one example of a, a cyclist who went into training and couldn't hit their targets and ended up straining their hamstring and none of nobody could figure out why until one person on the coaching team went and spoke to the the athlete and found out oh, she's been having some really hard time at uni. So, of course, when she went full bore in training, she's pinged her hamstring. So that was the example that I was given. So it will be interesting to see, you know, because the sports research and sports science and sports psychology psychology 
are increasingly showing this one technique versus others. So I'll be, I, I actually will be interested to see maybe one day, maybe when PK moves um, overseas somewhere other than Melbourne City, how that, if he maintains that motivational style, how it works when his side isn't the best team in the league by a country mile. I think we should move on to Adelaide United 2, Perth Glory 1. Um, the citizens of South Australia have convinced themselves that Craig Goodwin should not only be selected in the World Cup squad, but should start in the opening game. Uh, uh, is this an overreaction? I Goodwin is going to go to Qatar. Like, predicting what Graham Arnold is going to do, I have no doubt that Craig Goodwin is going to Qatar. Now, as I said on the pod before, the bloke stepped up, scored a penalty, was involved throughout qualifying, didn't disgrace himself in qualifying, stood up when, you know, to put on the Arnie mask, stood up when his country needed him and came through. There is no way Graham Arnold doesn't reward that in a 26-player squad. So if he's fit, he's going. Well, he certainly had a pretty good game in this one uh, against a Perth team that didn't put up a hell of a lot of resistance aside from uh, one goal so good that uh, Lockie Flanagan saw fit to deploy the old uh, Alan Partridge underneath it. I think it was it was justified. Like it was, it was a rocket. It was a rocket. <laughs> he does have a bit like a traction engine. He does. Indeed, he does. Indeed, he does. Um, yeah, I, I, I will admit that I, I haven't seen this game. The only real thing of note, other than the sort of Goodwin Socceroos propaganda push um, is obviously the the new look Hindmarsh. I know Nick was uh, was marveling at it when we were sitting in the press box earlier. It's a shame there wasn't as many people to appreciate it. Um, but the thing I wanted to just just bring up is uh, Nestory Iran Kunda only getting a, a scant a sort of I think it was nine minutes or so off off the bench. I mean I know that you know you want to sort of reward the players who did really well for you against. Uh, against Sydney with with ten men and that sort of thing, but I feel like someone of his quality uh, has done enough to earn more than single digit minutes. But then we're talking about Calviet, so you know maybe I'm the idiot for expecting anything different. Well, he did get he did nearly get a, a, an assist with a scissor kick, so that's that's good going. <laughs> um, just on Collie's goal, uh, Debano, um, I'm sure you oh, yeah. admired uh, a bit of bit of cocksure ethnic confidence from uh, from a fellow Italian. Uh, Ma, like that was an absolute <laughs> banger. Like, oh my goodness. Like, I can't sum it up any better than that. Like, look, I love the confidence on him just to pick it up from 30 yards out and just go, you know what? My team's down 2 0. We're playing when we're playing like a dog's breakfast at the moment. Nothing's working. Effort. Have a hit, son. And you know what? It paid off. It's good to see a player play with some confidence, right? And that sort of confidence you can't teach in a player as well. Like that comes over time. You're almost born with that sort of confidence. And when you have coaches that show trust in you to do those sort of things and to go, you know what, stuff it, let him do it. Like we spoke about MacArthur, right? In previous times about how, you know, Dwight York has let a lot of players showcase what they're good at. Guys like Arzani, you know, being confident, taking on players. If Giordano Colley has a, absolute masterful right foot and can hit a shot from range and he finds himself in space, encourage it. Because, you know, this could be a tough season for Perth. 
And if someone like Collie can be a real shining light for them, he can really take the next step and make that position in the, in the team his, it'd be great for them because it's another young player that's coming through for them. He's probably one of the more talented players they've got in their books. I don't, I've seen some people on Twitter really like think that Collie isn't a good player. And I find that odd because I actually think he's one of Perth's better players in terms of natural ability. And that was such a good hit. So... It's a tough day for Perth. That's definitely, you know, the one thing that really stood out. I haven't similarly, I haven't seen all the game um, based on the stats, probably people who have seen all of it. I think Adelaide probably should have won by more. They probably didn't take the many chances they had, you know, an XG of 3.31 and 2.23 in open play to 0.28. Uh, Collie's XG was actually 0.02 just to show how difficult of an effort that was. So, um, end of the day, it's three points for Adelaide. As Lockie said, I like the new look I Marsh. I think it looks fantastic. It continues to show why it's one of the best venues we do have for football here in this country. And it's great to see we've got that opposite stand now with the cover. Um, and as well, it's up to scratch. And I think it's going to like continue to look great, especially when we start to see some bigger crowds fall into Coopers for probably some of those marquee fixtures against, you know, victory and going forward if they host finals. Then, of course, into the Women's World Cup next year as well. Uh, there's some spectacular lights as part of that, that new stand. Uh, and there's some spectacular lights on Joey Lynch at the moment, um, just illuminated, shining brightly up in the corner. The diaphanous lights uh, of Amy Park shining <laughs> he on looked, He looked like, you know, when, um, you know, episode of Seinfeld with Kramer in the red light and he opens the door <laughs> and it's just the big shine. That's what Joey looked like just then with the white light. On, uh, on Goodwin, Geraldo coming through in the comments, could do with his free kicks if Hrustich isn't ready, to be fair. Uh, I do have an update on that. I was told that there is hope in Italy that uh, Hrustic can, in fact, return for Hellas Verona before the World Cup break. So, obviously, if he's returning for Hellas Verona before the World Cup break, assuming he doesn't uh, suffer a setback there, that bodes well for him being ready for the World Cup. That, I'm told, that is the hope uh, that he will possibly be able to return for that. And even if he can't, that's another, he'll have another week of recuperation before the first game against France. We need Just him. on that, need him about um, Hellas Verona, you speak about importance for the soccer, who's also just as important for Hellas Verona right now because before he went down, he was in some bloody good form. And Hellas Verona are, are lingering towards the bottom at the moment. I mean, they're second last on the table. They play Roma tomorrow they've got oh, sorry on tuesday it might be tomorrow if you're listening to this on monday and they've also got some really big games against teams like monza and spezia which are six pointers in this sort of time of the season for us but on and also playing you so i'm not surprised they're trying to get him back out there because if he's available and if he's ready to go as well known from a soccer is point but for hellas verona it is very very important because they don't want to slip further into that relegation zone Ben says, glory rapport, midfield tandem of Oxborough and Duncan went missing in the first half and Bodnar showed he could probably start over both of them, in my opinion. Um, I've been impressed with what I've seen from Bodnar. I think he's calm in possession. And, yeah, I, I, these, the, this, this pairing, I agree, is, is pretty workmanlike. Uh, there's not a lot of, you know, they don't, they, don't want, they don't want a lot of the ball to feet. Um, Ben also adding the broadcast show to start midway through the first half. The Perth only went down the middle of the pitch 12% of the time. Over-reliance on wings makes it far easier for teams to defend. And that's usually the criticism we're making of Adelaide. So mm. uh, maybe some parallels between those two sides and Adelaide just had more quality in the end. So just on Perth, I quite liked uh, Jelicic when he came on. 
Uh, I, th- I thought he did well, and I'd like to see him get more minutes. And he hasn't played much in the A-League, but I think there was just some little sparks there. I thought, you know, hopefully this guy can get uh, more minutes. The other thing that I think is interesting, and, you know, maybe I'm preaching to the converted here, but there's so much talk about Goodwin for the Socceroos, and Goodwin should be starting for the Socceroos. And, you know, look, I do think Goodwin should probably be on the plane, and, you know, he's doing quite well at the moment. But I do, he's an interesting player because he's kind of limited in, he, you know, he's not a dribbling winger. He's kind of... What's really good about him really is his ability kind of to create a bit of separation and get those crosses in or get those kind of shots away, um, which is valuable. But I, I think he can be a little one-dimensional. But there's so much of a push for him, and I and I get that. What I find interesting is that there is no push whatsoever for Ben Halloran. And I think Ben Halloran so often in these games looks like Adelaide United's best player, if not their best player, along with Goodwin. There is never any talk about him in the Socceroos. Okay, it is a different position, and, and you can argue that we have maybe players in that position. But I wouldn't, I, I would wouldn't mind seeing Ben Halloran at a Socceroos level. I think he can give that. And it was interesting that he played there under. I think Ange uh, put him in there. He did. I, I would say. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say in response to that, Nick Stoll, that I think a lot of the reasoning behind that lack of clamour is probably just simple resignation, um, acknowledgement that he hasn't been picked throughout this entire cycle. He's obviously not part of the plans. So why waste energy on it? Mm. I, I, I but he should it- be. Yeah, to me, it's just weird that yeah. so many people are like, Goodwin, Goodwin, Goodwin. How good is Goodwin? Oh, my God, Goodwin's the best player in the league, which I think I saw a few people say last week. And it's like, yeah, look, but when I watch the games, yeah, I like Goodwin. I really like Halloran. Like, I see so many things that Halloran does, and I'm like, this dude is a player. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, so, from... so gone. Goals and assists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chicks Hello? dig goals and assists. <laughs> Some some of us some of us also share that view. Um, <laughs> but uh, Dubana, you were going to jump in. Oh, I was just going to oh, say. He's... I mean, no, 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 no. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> You're frozen for a, a second. Minor, I got worried. I got worried. I'm on it back. Um... Oh no! Keep it Sorry, going, Dubana. You still with to, us? Nick to jump in. Oh. Some of the comments about Nick tonight have been incredible. Someone referred to him as the human EMP. <laughs> seeing it come together right now. <laughs> I don't understand why it's all going so badly for him. We're literally on the same Wi-Fi. And then our, our Liga commented before, Dubano, are you going to let your microwave dominate you? Yes. Yes is the answer. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> Look, the comments are gold, all right? If, if we don't get them up, there's still gold in the comments every time. I have had enough of this. I don't understand the one, like every other time there's been no issue. I come into the box today (laughs) and straight away, the whole thing all throughout today, it's been just, it's been pooing the proverbial. I'm done. I'm done. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's currently a window separating you and Joey, right? It's not like a brick wall. (laughs) Concrete. I can't get it. You can tell how exacerbated he's getting because just the hand movements are beginning to come out now. Ben Ben Smith says uh, the microwave it's inside <laughs> like some horror movie. <laughs> the call is coming from inside. I think, there. I think, I think, uh, I think this is. Oh, this, I think this it might be the, the microwave Chris. in the. 
<laughs> Sorry, go on. Chris, Stevano is a human electromagnetic pulse. <laughs> Look, I would say this. Terrorists, drug dealers, get on to Nick Dibano. This man cannot be ever, like, you can never listen to his calls because he cannot, you could never hack into him. It's incredible what Dibano is doing. I don't know what kind of burner phones you're using, um, but Dibano, your technology is brilliant. We, we, are, uh, we are seconds from just him letting out a madon. <laughs> All right. You, I, like, I'm, in, I'm in the same getup as that video, as the, oh, madon. And I feel like there could be a part two coming if we're not careful. <laughs> if we weren't going to get copyright claimed, I'd be playing wolves underneath this. So just quickly on Perth, should we talk about Bruno uh, out? I was, I was going to talk about that in the context of Brisbane Raw nil, oh, Melbourne oh, victory we nil. I thought we don't want to talk about Bruno. Oh, we don't always. talk about Bruno. No, Bruno. No, no, no. <laughs> I think we definitely need to talk about Bruno because Melbourne Victory drew a blank once again. Oh. They haven't scored for quite some, some time now. And the wheels are starting gradually to fall off. Well, I can tell you exactly. It has been 277 minutes. Since Melbourne victory scored oh, one TNC episode, <laughs> <laughs> two hundred and seventy-seven minutes um, is since they have last uh, <laughs> scored a goal. Um, that included uh, this game in which they had twenty-nine shots against Brisbane, and only two of them were on target throughout the entire uh, length of the contest. You compare that to they had 18 shots blocked by the Raw, which tells you, one, just how many bodies Brisbane were getting around um, their penalty area and their low block, which held up throughout the entire 90 minutes. You've got to give them credit for that. But also, B, what kind of shots victory was settling for against that low block, that just so many of them were hit into traffic, were hit under significant pressure. And you even look at it beyond that. They they launched 14 shots from outside the penalty area. Basically, half of their attempts on goal were speculative long-range efforts. So it really was a case of, Victory had the ball. They absolutely dominated play. But when it came down to the actual important bit, they really looked blunt. Sorry, Joey. We didn't mean to undercut your point. That was just, it was a big one. <laughs> you really hit You emphasized. Hat. You emphasized, <laughs> mate. We can't. We, look, we don't I've even bring to... it up anymore. We used to bring it up every single time you said anything. Now we let 99% of them go. I've had to deliberately start to censor myself in press conferences after media managers and my fellow colleagues, journalists, started laughing when I would say it. So now in my mind, I'm deliberately self-censoring to say half so as to not disrupt the press conference. Um, <laughs> So just on victory and their kind of goal-scoring woes, look, low sample size. They are fourth uh, in the league for XG. So, again, look, you, it's very hard to extrapolate from this because the Jets and Mariners have only played three games. And you're also, you know, sometimes, you know, th this isn't a great analysis. But 
I think it's not full panic stations for victory yet, in my opinion. I, I don't think I still think this team's making the finals. Now maybe they're not challenging for the title, which is what the goal is for this team. But I you know, I, I, I think they'll work it out. I I think it's interesting that Popovich chose to play Brimmer as an eight in this game mm. as opposed to moving Broxham into midfield, which is what I expected him to do uh, with the Brillante suspension. I expected that he would stay wedded to the double pivot, and that was that. He actually tried to go a little bit more attacking. He mm. tried to play Nani as a 10, brought Falami into the lineup, and... You know, that's what I felt, and um, our good friend Geraldo pointed out on Twitter as well. Melbourne Victory essentially one man, two defensive in the opening few games of the season. They're just a little bit too conservative. I thought by changing the personnel as opposed to the system, that that would make a big difference, and it didn't. And that's you know, worrying. Brimmer's an interesting one because Brimmer was, you know, quite good last season, you know, in terms of goals and assists. Obviously, won the Johnny Warren medal. Hasn't been great so far um, this season. And this was a guy who, you know, in these comments, there was a lot of talk about, oh, Brimmer for Socceroos, Brimmer, da da da. And we were saying, oh, maybe kind of Asian Cups, more his thing. But he, in none of these games has he put a case forward uh, for him to be included. Whereas you kind of thought, I mean, you know, how much, how much yeah, a player can just decide that they're going to do this. But I kind of thought we might see a better start to the season from Brimmer, given that he was potentially. A soccer is bolder. I kind of get the feeling that Brimmer's maybe a bit of a luxury player. If you've got a really good team and things are going really well, he can start in circumstances like that. But sort of similar to James Troisi, which I know we meme about him, but James Troisi, you know, got plenty of Socceroos caps and, you know, was a hero of the Asian Cup final. But sort of like a situation where in... Troisi's strengths and Brimmer's strengths look really good in a team that is firing on all cylinders, sort of like Melbourne Victory were last season with that unbeaten run towards the end of the campaign and a lot of momentum heading into finals. But when the team struggles, he doesn't have that same, at least we haven't seen recently at least, um, he's still a young player, so it might develop into it, but we haven't seen him take things on by the scruff of the neck and drag an underperforming side into a good run of form on his own. I also think he's one of those players that is, is largely in the team for his final ball. Mm. You know, he's largely in his team, in the team for, you know, through ball across. He did one beautiful pass uh, in the first half. He can strike a ball really beautifully, but sometimes he, he flits in and out of games. And I don't think he's a, he's really a creative presence from deep. I thought he had a very poor season under Brebner when he was playing as part of a double pivot and to get moved in, in there alongside Marshan, it was a test of maybe how, how he's progressed. And, you know, his good form last season came when the whole midfield was catering, catering to him as, as the 10 and trying to make them maximize Nani in that respect is, is maybe taking something away from him. Uh, Lockie. Well, that, that's the thing, isn't it, Josh? Like the term, like being an eight, in midfield that that's quite vague like that can comprise of, of many different roles like you can be a a box-to-box operator or you can be a, a sort of distributor and I think you've hit the nail on the head with with Brimmer like yes he's playing in that sort of mid zone between attacking midfielder and outright defensive midfielder but if you watch the the sort of role 
outside of his defensive responsibility that Brillante has had in that eight role. A lot of it has been centered around these sort of late penalty area entries, trying to ghost in and sort of feed off the scraps and drift into the box unmarked. But that's not really Brimmer's ball carrying and his, his movement is not necessarily at the forefront. He's, as you said, a, a technician, like he's someone who's known for his, his ball striking and to create. And yeah, I think this was probably a game. I'm not saying Brillante is the answer because I think that's still like, yes, I think a, an eight who can get up and back is useful for victory, but I think Brillante maybe isn't the right, is probably too defensively minded to be the right candidate for that role. But I do think that extra threat in the penalty box coming from midfield, just a bit of extra movement, because that was what was fundamentally lacking was movement um, in that victory front line. They didn't get that with the sort of injection of, of Brimmer into the eight position. But look, to, to be honest, the um, when this game was followed up by Central Coast having to try and uh, get past Western United, who had, had 10 men, uh, the way the Mariners went about it versus victory, I mean, the, the contrast I don't think could have been any more stark with what they were doing to try and get those gaps. I think we should talk a little bit more about Fornaroli because the rumour is, as reported by Simon Hill and rumoured in other Just before we get on to Fornaroli, can I just say Mm. one thing um, that should kind of be raised, I think, and Jess has brought it up in the comments. Uh, 3 p.m. kickoff, and I think it was a 2 p.m. local time uh, kickoff, was boiling at Redcliffe. It didn't look fun to be at that game. didn't look fun to be in the stands. didn't look fun to be playing in. Charlie Austin said it was like the hottest game he's ever played in or whatever, and he looked like he was going to collapse when he came off. What's he going to do in January and February? Yeah, but look, I don't know, but he's, he's what have I got myself into? <laughs> it's hard to predict these things because you know, like I don't know. Sometimes it's pissing down rain and da da da. You sometimes can't win with scheduling, but but the know, difference here three... is you can schedule this game later. We've set the precedent that they are that we can do doubles, like you know, two yeah. kickoffs at the same time. So I think it, we we should be looking at doing that because if if we know it's going to be such a hot day. Like you have to put the players' welfare first. This situation. Well, but and also, who would have? Re- I mean, I know the TV broadcast, but who really outside of TV and the TV broadcast pretty important. But like the fans would have preferred a later kickoff. I'm sure Josh Parrish would have preferred a later kickoff. Given uh, I would he flew he flew via Tasmania. Just just on this, yeah. just on this, it was going to take me without a car flying to Brisbane because I'm here for work. It was going to take me two hours each way on public transport to get to Redcliffe from the middle, of, from the centre of town, let alone if you live south of Brisbane. So I can understand why Brisbane Raw fans on the whole, unless they're you know living in a certain area of the northern suburbs, is, uh, are less than enthused about the prospect of playing there. I mean, yes, if you, of course you could drive, but usually people want to go to the football and have a few drinks, yeah, you know? So like... Our mate I wanted to go to the sucks. whiskey festival first. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to drive from the whiskey festival. That's that's well, that's really I mean, important. Anastasia Palache, uh, the Queensland Premier, is an ambassador of the 2023 Women's World Cup. Maybe a condition of that was a proper rectangular stadium in Brisbane, because Lord knows I'm not sure what else those ambassadors are actually doing for next year's Women's World Cup. The Perry Park uh, upgrade I... remains the dream, I, I think, but. 
Like I, I wanted to go. I was still going to go. I was actually going to document my experience on the public transport mm. from uh, Brisbane to Redcliffe. Uh, and then Virgin cancelled two of my flights and I ended up going to Brisbane via Hobart. So <laughs> it didn't go to plan. I was 12 hours later than I anticipated and I missed the match entirely. Dubano? Can I make a quick point before my internet dies again because it's getting out of hand right <laughs> seize, now? Seize the day. Seize the day. Sam has come through and said TNC Xmas party on the Redcliffe patio behind the goals. As I said, fuck, who is muting me right now? So I was just saying, like, my worry about that is if there's a game going on and we're having the patio, I've got to worry about stray balls, man. I don't want to worry about my drink being knocked out of my hands. I, I forgot someone had a shot and it went on the balcony. And all, all I was thinking about was imagine having a palmer and a drink. And all of a sudden this ball comes in and whacks the palmer out of your hands. Oh, it would be the worst, man. Why are you holding the palmer in your hands? No, no, I meant like the book <laughs> not in your hands. I don't know. Some people might want to eat with their hands. Yeah, I don't know, man. The, uh, Josh, the reason he's holding the palmer with his hands is because it, there, there was a glitch in the internet and the, uh, the plate just was like 30, mi 30 seconds behind Nick. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm so over this. Oh, that's that's great from. Ben. I might need a call at early, Nick, fellas. Nick like this is Zachary. getting out of hand. <laughs> oh. um, all right, let's uh, go. Finally, to uh, as we lose Nick Devano again. Like no, and he hasn't. He, he like that's a legit loss. I'm watching him rage out right I now. Can <laughs> Devano just go sit with Joey? Done. No, don't. Don't bring whatever <laughs> shit going wrong with him over here. I'm no going to give it, it 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and then box. I'm going because I, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna, it's bad for my mental <laughs> hold health. On, hold on. We can't go to the – all right. We can't go to the Wanderers Jets yet. We haven't talked about Bruno. Like Josh, well, no one would let me, so I moved on. All right. All right does Josh, he, what does would you like to say about Bruno? Does he improve victory? Because their yes. problem at the moment – Yes, He's having yes, a striker, he... in my opinion, who does not does not bring the rest of the team into play. Yes, um, he improves victory. No, he doesn't fix everything. Hmm. Josh, what you got to remember is he does have that Aussie DNA, and that's just massively <laughs> crucial for this team. So it is. I just think I think that's going to be a huge for victory. Look, I like I like Fonaroli. Uh, I think he's a good player. Is it bad for the league for a another sort of iconic player from one team? To go to their arch rival after we've already seen it with Ninkovic this season. He's nothing in the R League is sacred. It's fine as long as City don't try to pretend it's not a big deal. Don't yeah. don't no like, sell I, it on social. <laughs> yeah, I want Scott Jamison or Jamie McLaren or somebody coming out before the Christmas derby and saying, "Yeah, well, he won't be able, Bruno won't be able to play in the Christmas derby because he couldn't play until January." I want them coming out before the third. Uh, derby of the season saying, oh, yeah, we want to stick it up, Bruno. You know, we yeah. want to show these City fans that yada, yada. Don't, don't try to tell me that it's not a big deal. That's fine with it. And on Bruno to victory, sorry, Josh, I think I cut you off, but you were going to say about how his incorporative ability will make this team better, which I agree with. Uh, I mean, Lockie is probably our Fornaroli um, fanboy in the, in the, in the stream. Yeah, well, I, I do think that that's, um, that's the fundamental and most important element that he would, he would bring to, to victory. I mean, 
those who remember his early days in particular uh, at Melbourne City, but also it was, I think it was prevalent, albeit in a less successful and prolific team uh, in Perth. Fornaroli was a great goal scorer, but for me, he has always been a, a far, far more than his pure, pure goal scoring. He is a constant threat, it, a little bit similar to, to Cummings in the sense that he is always someone who was trying to drop off the front line. He's not just sitting in that nine position and hoping to do something with a long ball. He's he he's got the um the the titanium posterior and he likes to to drop short, get into a pocket, you know, use his backside to to hold off a, a hold off a player, drag someone out of position and then play the ball forward to to um to a to a wide player. Like there there were countless goals I could show you from his career uh, along with the long range strikes where he's picked up the ball deeper in in the park, he's played it off to a, someone and then drifted forward and, and, and sort of gotten that link up. So, and I think that one yeah, where he did the Rabona. Yes. Like yes. That's attack. probably the, the prime example that yeah. that goal that he scored um, teaming up with, uh, with, with Aaron Moy in the Derby Derby against victory, but D- D'Agostino's trying to do that sort of stuff. But I think Bruno's got the sort of best capacity and he is as some people are pointing out 35 not quite as mobile he does have that dog in him thank you thank you ben smith for, for pointing that. i mean he does like he does um yeah he's i think a he's got a bit better track well. record of, of bringing other players into the attack and when they've got so many star-studded players in the attacking lineup like victory do uh that should help having said that the um the the problems yeah, it doesn't totally alleviate the issues that that victory have. Some of these things are, are happening deeper and yeah, are happening because of the system. And at the end of the day, Bruno is going to be playing within that system. Okay, I just I, I've seen this comment come up multiple times. Julian uh, via YouTube has kept basically trying to put Fornaroli on Western United. My understanding is that Aloisi did come out and say we're not going for him or we're not interested or whatever. Which means Jack shit because coaches lie. But um, it appears as though all the momentum is behind him to Melbourne victory. And I think, yeah, I think it will be. On, on a technical level, Bruno Fornaroli has the best ass in A-League man history. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of the way that he uses it to win positioning and move the ball around. Um, so, yeah. Hey, you had a great ass. Del Piero, actually. That guy wasn't going past anyone, but he would just stick it in and make people yeah. get the ball so off. What, so, what you're trying to say, Stoll, is that Del Piero and Bruno Fornaroli is the Cole Lowry of the A League. Like, they just have the, 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 the big ass they stick out. Doesn't matter. Not they in got, the best shape. Junk junk. Right. Get, hey, then, what we got to do is we got to get Bruno in the low post. <laughs> got to get post position, deep post position, and put the moves up. I mean, the question has to be we're asked. Just, we're just getting back down to Bruno Fornaroli get in the NBA. We're just getting no. We're now getting back to what happens if LeBron James played for the US Men's National Team. <laughs> um, but I think it would also be sure, it would also be churlish for us to not touch on um, in Melbourne victory. They still have questions around the defensive depth. We saw yeah. now against Brisbane Raw. It didn't actually matter that much because Brisbane Raw offered nothing moving forward as Nick buries his face uh, in his his hands in his face again with his internet. But Broxham was back in the starting lineup. George Timotheo out once again. Popovich continues to chop and change with his starting centre-back pair in the absence of Matt Sparanovic. 
Uh, their wing back play, not as concerning as the centre back depth, but hasn't set the world on fire um, in the opening month uh, of the campaign. So there are questions about victory both going forward and defensively, not catastrophic questions. I certainly agree with um, Nick Stoll in the sense that I can't see the missing finals and I imagine that they will try to find some solutions. But, I mean, once again, in the same way that who would have thought Sydney FC banking their defensive fortitudes on Jack Rodwell staying healthy for an entire season, who would have thought it might have been a bit of an error to count on Matt Baranovic being pretty healthy throughout the campaign as well? Hey, good shout from Sam here. Carlos Hernandez had a great ass. All right. So keep your comments coming in on best historical ass. I mean, Bruno Fornaroli, famously childhood friends and former teammates with Luis Suarez. Oh, two, two the best ass in football history. Yeah. Suarez, like 50 goals he scored in his career is because of his ass. All right. Yeah. That guy had, you know. That guy's ass has taken him further than Shakira's well, ass took her. I think I think we found the name for this week's pod: the best ass in A League history. <laughs> um, all right, do we move on? Yeah, I was going to bring up. I was going to make a joke about the PK divorce, but I thought it was probably uh, not not in great taste. Um, let's go to Wanderers two uh, box office jets, or should they be the box office flops? At nil. Uh, very disappointing from Arthur Pappas and let's be honest, our boys. Um, very, very limp, listless performance. Uh, Brandon Borello put his name forward, sent a message to Graham Arnold. Uh, his agent said he played very well. I heard um, his, his mum also said he did a really good job and she was really proud of him. And, uh, and so was I. I've also so. heard, Josh, that his dad could beat your dad in a fight. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know who, look, Borello was good. Neumhoff was good, and it is good to see that kid back playing, looking real good. He's shaping up as the young player of the year, and I mean, yeah. why why did Sydney let him go? I mean, maybe maybe it was a case of nothing they could have done uh, would have kept him there, but surely this is a complete. Why is everybody laughing at me? No, I just. Um, you're making a good point, but the comments have gone rogue and just some of the combinations, Grant Hackett with 30 goals a season. Like, that's just very funny. Liz Jackson playing as the post-up player for Melbourne Victory. I like, it's just getting more and more chaotic. And What if, like, what if Zach Randolph went up okay. for Melbourne that, Victory? That, now that I know you're not laughing at me, I'll continue the point. Sydney letting Neuenhoff go, let alone letting him go to their biggest rivals in the Wanderers, low-key is shaping up as one of the biggest errors of the A-League men off-season because this kid, it doesn't matter if uh, Bazanic is still kidnapped by aliens and he's nowhere near a debut, uh, according to Marco Rodan. The way Neuenhoff's playing now, you wouldn't start Bazanic. You can't take Neuenhoff out of this side, his work rate, what he's doing, it's immense. I mean, God, we were talking about Segacic. Um, uh, we, were ta- we were talking about... Sorry, John Howard played up top for the victory. We were talking... Do you remember what... All, all I can think about is, is, you know, his bowl, like, <laughs> really... <laughs> 
Oh my god! Oh, after the grand final where they beat Adelaide United, and uh, John Howard was brought up for the presentation and was booed mercilessly yeah. by the Melbourne Victory fans when he was what brought on, up. What on victory? Somebody else so make a serious Josh. point. He's Somebody gone. else make a serious point. I'll make. I'll make a serious oh, point. Uh, Ninkovic also probably had his best game uh, for the Wanderers, uh, which was good for them. The Wanderers, I'm surprised at how good they started. I My question is, how long does this continue? And you know what? That's what you I'm nervous what? about. For them. I think it might because they've got a bit of Western United about them, fellas. Yeah. There's, yeah, a, there's a bit of Western United about them right now. And I, I don't know. I just... I just can see them being right. Like I, I could see this rolling. I don't know if they can go all the way, but I think that considering how some of these teams have looked in the early stages, I know it's so still early in the season, but they will get points because they will be able to defend strong and they'll be able to just take their chances up the other end. They are a yeah. very well regimented yeah. team. I, and, I completely, yeah. completely agree with, with Dubano. I mean, given the, the state of flux that we're seeing from, a lot of the other teams, particularly the a few of the Victorian sides, I think top four all, all of a sudden, um, top top six, maybe even top four is potentially in play. And look, is it the is it the best to watch so far? Uh, I, I th- is there more that they can do to improve, particularly going forward? I still don't think they're getting the best out of um, out of uh, out of you know, Kripic and and, and Yangi in particular, uh, for example. I think there's still more to come. But it's not as if there isn't a precedent in this competition for teams, you know, who are just difficult to break down yeah, in the A-League men's, you know, mm. that being enough for, for success. And I don't see any reason, based on what we've seen in the opening few rounds, why Western Sydney couldn't potentially uh, ride that, that same trend. I don't think the lid is off. I think we're getting to the point now. I'm not going to say the next line because I've already written it in my piece and I'm going to keep some um, sense of mystery. I do I, I, I do have some concerns. Western United have Western Sydney Wanderers hasn't haven't actually trailed in a game yet this season. I'd be very interested to see what they actually do when they have to chase uh, a game because we've seen them cough up. Um, we saw them cough up a lead to Brisbane Raw, who as been demonstrated in our other games. They're not exactly an offensive juggernaut, but they couldn't respond after Brisbane Royal got the goal back. Um, so I'm going to be very interested to see what happens when they actually have to take a game on and chase points. However, I can gen. I will um, concur with everybody else. I can see Western Sydney on a pathway at a minimum to finals football this season, if not more, because good football doesn't win new championships in the A-League men. Preying on other teams' inability to play good football wins you championships in the A-League men if we're going off last season. And Western Sydney Wanderers can absolutely do that. Um, I would like to see a few changes. Maybe Kurpic, uh replaced. Yangi moves centrally and they put Najarine on in the wing. I would like to see that. Um, but, yeah, as far as Western Sydney Wanderers go, I... Don't know how enjoyable a watch they're going to be throughout the entire season unless you sort of relish watching shithousery, defensive football um, and, you know, digging in. That I doubt they'll play any much of any free-flowing attacking football that you'll put in a highlights reel, but it's going to be effective, I think. I mean, when, when has Western Sydney Wanderers ever, ever played good football? 
When have they ever been attractive? Never. Never. No, never. Maybe. Did they, did they, did they play well under Yosip Gombau for like a nah, few years? Nah, zero. Uh, they, were, zero. They, were they were atrocious. Total, total. Um, they oh, no, no, no. tried for to like... play better football under Popovich. So after, when he, I think, got him to the final in 2014 against Adelaide. Um, if I'm getting my years right, maybe that's 2016. 2016. So 2016, he did try and play a more expansive style. He did bring in this this Spanish assistant coach, and, and that was kind of the thing. It was still, you know, expansive football with a massive handbrake on. Never got out of first gear. Um, but it was like was Atletico. Every time Diego Simeone says we're going to evolve, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Look and look where that's got him. They played some decent. The five games was it the four or five games Hayden Fox was in charge when they went undefeated under Hayden Fox. That was all right. Yeah, the novelty is wondrous. What a glorious, hey, glorious. What about what about the 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 three game unbeaten run to Marcus Babel in 2019 when you know the vibes were good at the Wanderers and he was wearing cool outfits and everything. Devada, do you have eyes? Do you understand the game a bit? <laughs> I tell you what, it is setting up that Sydney derby. Real nice. And look, mm, the most important mm. thing for the Wanderers is that the RBB, you know, grows again, starts filling out. That actually makes going to the Wanderers a lot of fun. And, you know, I really hope that, that is the case. Can I just say that even the game next week against the Mariners, it's going to be like appointment viewing. I reckon that's yeah. going to be a really, really good game because if any team is going to take it to the Wanderers and really try to put them on the back foot. We, we thought we'd see it from the Jets, but I think to another extent with what the Mariners have in that front line with guys like Cummings and, you know, especially with Jason Cummings in the form he's in right now, I'd like to see him going up against that defense. And if he puts in a good showing in that game, guys, against that defense, I'm telling you what, if he doesn't get selected, I will be livid because that that should be the marker right there. Against the best defense in the A-League, comes out and puts in a performance like that, I think it would be great. So... It'll be interesting, but Joe. Interestingly enough, on your point about when what it would be like if them if they went behind in a game, I mean, if we're going to compare it to what Western United did last year, that when they went behind Western United, from memory, you guys might be able to correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't usually come back too many times and actually win games. They'd usually, if anything, they might get a point, but that would be rare as well. They'd actually usually go on and lose the game. Um, so, I think that will be an interesting sort of. Um, thing to keep an eye on because in the next two games we know that both Sydney and uh the Mariners have individual players that can cut open your defense so I'll be very very curious to see what can happen in those both those games I think that Western United only came back from a deficit to win twice last season Would it have been against win- the no, victory game the victory it was the victory well, was it over was, it was a- aggregate but that was aggregate one and there was the other one in the so I'm counting the aggregate game as one. And I think there was one very late in the season because I remember Aloisi making a big deal about it. Uh, before we wrap on this, Lockie, did you have something I'm trying to come in there? Oh, I just wanted to uh, talk about Oli Bazanich very quickly. I know he's already already come up, but a lot of people were surprised about Mark Rudan saying, you know, he's he's a long, long way away from returning. I actually think it makes a lot of sense because I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that like astronauts, when they spend a lot of time in space, they lose their bone density. And so it can take a lot of time to like readjust to physical activity. So he's been abducted for quite a while. So I actually think it makes quite a lot of sense, but yeah, wish him all the best in his, his bone Ground density. control to me. Um. I, I, I feel as though we can't move on without at least 
saying something about the Jets. Um, they were disappointing in this game. Mm. You can't beat around the bush. It was oh, a disappointing good. effort. Um, they didn't play the type of football that we assume they want to play based off last season, although we really haven't seen um, much of the box office Jets in any of their games um, this season. We've seen a different style. Last week um, against the Knicks, they were sort of more feasted in transition uh, than anything else. But I think on this time, they really... Watching on and then speaking to some people in the aftermath, they really allowed Wanderers to dictate how this game was going to be played. And the Jets simply aren't going to win a game of football against Western Sydney on a game played on the Wanderers' terms. Shotsky's coming through in the comments saying, TNC loves style but hates trophies. That's Mm -hmm. pretty accurate. We have to watch the games. That's why. We don't have to be <laughs> like, we actually are exposed to these games. That's why. And then uh, I like this guy. Nearly finished. Come on, boys. It's only been two Hey, hours. I just still need to, still need to, Joey and I still need to drive home, all right? Like, yeah, come yeah. on. <laughs> let's, let's all right. With, that, with that in mind, with that in mind, let's wrap up this A-League chat. Talk about actually maybe the biggest story to come out of Australian football in quite some time. Certainly the one that made international headlines. Hmm. Socceroos. Uh, posting that video on behalf of the the PFA, um, the uh, human rights message um, on on Qatar. Um, I thought it was, personally, I thought it was a very brave thing to do, a very good thing to do, and they've led the way. No other national team has done this, and I think it might prompt similar responses from Mm. other nations because it's always more difficult for the first team to do it, for the first person to kind of, break that silence than for the next 100 mm. percent. i think you know what oh, well i was just gonna say super proud of this team like Absolutely. really massive it is super hard to be the first it is the the i think the most difficult to come out um australian players i think in a way have more to lose um you know because a lot of them potentially look for moves into qatar you know for financial reasons or whatever but super proud of this team uh they spoke out and and really educated themselves it wasn't they were just like oh yeah we just don't like it they explained i think in a very good way about you know what has changed in qatar what needs to change um so full credit to the players especially the the 14 that appeared i think 14 or 16 that appeared in the video um and some actually I was surprised at some of the players who were in there. And, um, you know, f- honestly, full credit to them. Uh, and, and from all accounts, it really made me even have a higher opinion of the likes of Jackson Irvine, Bailey Wright, Matt Ryan, who seemed to be kind of really behind the whole thing, but everyone who appeared in it. Um, so mm. really great stuff. And I, I think it would have been less powerful had we been the 10th team to speak out. The fact that we were the mm. first, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't think we're going to do great in Qatar on the field but I'm very proud of this team already. Mm. To provide a bit of context, um, and this Nick Stoller's right, it was Bailey Wright, Matt Ryan and Jackson Irvine that have sort of been leading the players' uh, efforts on this front in particular. They received an initial briefing about this, and then since then they've been very active in trying to source as much information as possible from a variety of stakeholders, um, Obviously, FIFA, um, FIFPRO, the International Labour Organisation, Amnesty International, uh, the Supreme Committee for Organising and Legacy in Qatar. Um, so this has been this hasn't been something that's come out of the blue. This has been a long-standing 
um, commitment from the Socceroos to learn about these things. Every Socceroo, this was this video wasn't something that they were asked to do by uh, the PFA or otherwise. This was something that the Socceroos wanted to do themselves. The PFA just provided the platform for them to distribute that. And I would have to um, uh, join everybody else in commending them um, for taking a stand and speaking up of you know, you're the, well, there were not the everyone obvious... else. A lot of people were like, "Oh, virtue signaling, blah 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 blah." I was about yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some up. very, some very intelligent people that um, uh, obviously, well, yeah. to write. Mm. Who wrote that? Oh, whoever that Paul was. Kent. Well, in that, well, Paul. Paul Kent. what? Yeah, sorry, he's... I misheard you. So, it um... sounds sounds like a title, Ken. Yeah, um, I think it was great, and it's. It's virtual virtue signaling. Every time you share an opinion, you are virtue virtue signaling. You are signaling the virtues that you hold to yourself to the world. That is just a nothing phrase. It's just I disagree with that person is what it basically um, comes down to. I, I, I think it was valuable. Boycotting, well, human rights groups have been telling the Socceroos and other national teams not to boycott because it would have zero impact and they would just be replaced and Qatar would say, oh, that's too bad. Anyway, let's go on and host the tournament. Oh, and we'll keep it in mind and screw over Australia every chance we get during the next round of AFC negotiations and all of that sort of stuff. But I feel it's great that Socceroos have come out and made this statement and they're using this platform to raise human rights. I also feel that it's almost an unfair burden on them that they have to do this. I mean, this has been spoken about by players unions and FIFA in the past. The players didn't get a vote on where this World Cup was going to be held. The players didn't get a say in where this World Cup um, was going to be held. But they're the ones that are inevitably going to become the faces of this tournament. And they're going to be put in this situation where they're being told to boycott you know, the real people that bear responsibility if we want to be pressuring people and holding people to account, it's it's not the Socceroos boycotting that is going to make change. If people wanted to see boycotts that would actually, you know, maybe even make FIFA move the World Cup, it's Visa, it's Adidas, it's these billion-dollar companies that if they had spoken up and demanded things move or demanded, demanded change, that is where the real change would have come. To expect these players that never have got a say in where the World Cup is going, for many of them, they'll only ever get one chance to play in a World Cup. To expect them to bear the responsibility for this, it's just silly. We should be holding the people that voted for this World Cup to account. We should be holding the sponsors to account, the money to account, not the players. The thing that annoys me the most is the take that this is somehow the easy route and if you really cared, you would boycott. This isn't the easy route. The easy route is right. to not say anything. Yeah. Mm. That's the easy thing to do. And they've put themselves in the firing line, um, you know, because they care. And that, I think, is huge. I think they should be commended for that. And I hope other nations, as you say, Joe, potentially sponsors, follow their lead um and you know they did they had no say in where this was held and you know world cup is huge like it is a huge moment in your career so to expect players 
who were not responsible for anything that went on with the choice of host and they're not responsible for any of the human rights abuses that routinely occur in Qatar, to expect them to give up the the biggest moment of their careers uh, to make a moral point, I think is unfair. It would be huge if if uh, someone did that, but I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a fair assumption and, and that's not what the human rights groups are asking for either. So I, I, think, I think this is great. I think it was well executed um, and I'm, yeah, I'm really proud of this team and, and players like, you know, like Jackson Irvine, who've led the conversation clearly internally in the, in the team about issues such as this, because it's not easy, an easy thing to do among a group of, uh, you know, professional footballers who probably like by and large, uh, not especially like they're not usually very politically minded, um, as a, as a group, as a demographic. Uh, to actually step up and say, "Hey guys, this is like something that's really important. You know, we should we should learn about this." I think that's uh, really significant. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just one quick thing. thing: I thought it was very interesting to see a couple of Melbourne City players in there as well. And actually, I thought it was very good of them. I know Melbourne City, you know, the UAE. There's been some criticism of them over the past. It would have been probably easy for them to not be involved because of who their club is and who owns their club, and they were. And so I massively respect uh, Jane McLaren and um, Matthew Leckie uh, for being a part of it. Okay. I think it was also really good that it would have been very easy in the context of the statement for the soccerers to just focus on the migrant worker rights, you know, they're a union, they're supporting other workers, they're supporting other unionists. I thought it was really heartwarming to see that they also came out in support of LGBTQIA plus rights in Qatar. That wasn't something that they had, didn't have to do. It's not a union matter. It's not a workers' rights matter, but it's just the right thing to do. And even, you know, the, the subject of homosexuality and gay rights is always been a bit, bit of a taboo topic in men's football. We've seen the amazing progress and safe space that women's football has become. It's a lot, it's always been a lot more you know, unspoken and not really something discussed and put forward in men's football. That's obviously recently changed with Josh Cavallo um, coming out as the first, as the only openly gay um, professional male football in the world when he did and Melbourne Victory and Adelaide United will be playing Pride games. So I thought that was notable as well, that it wasn't just around workers' rights as they could have easily gotten away with as a union. They also came out to LGBT to support LGBTQI plus rights um, in Qatar. I also, the Qatar Supreme Committee for Delivery and Legacy did respond um, and they seemed to... They probably weren't applauding the Socceroos, but it wasn't a complete slapdown. Um, they commend, they said, we commend footballers using their platforms to raise awareness for important matters. We have committed to every effort to ensuring that this World Cup has had a transformative impact on improving lives, especially for those involved in constructing the competition and non-competition venues we are responsible for. Protecting the health, safety, security and dignity of every worker contributing to the World Cup is our priority. Um uh, of course, there was also a bit of a backhander. The Qatari government's labour reforms were acknowledged by the ILO, International Labour Organization, ITUC, International Trade Union Confederation, and numerous human rights organisations as they benchmark in the region. New laws, new laws and reforms often take time to bed in, and robust implementation of labour laws is a global challenge, including in Australia. There's the backhand. 
Um, of course, notable in that response that they focused entirely on the workers' rights issues and nothing about LGBTQIA plus rights. But there you go. That was the Qatari response. Yeah, I think also that kind of water boundary, I saw a lot of that. And it doesn't make it any less true that Australia has human rights issues of our own. We've seen it in the past week. So, yeah. Um, yeah and the, I, I, I and don't think that, that precludes Australian footballers from coming out and speaking out about an issue that's relevant to them and their work. And the issues in Australia are disgraceful. The way that Australia has treated asylum seekers, you know, who it is a legal right to seek asylum is disgraceful. And we recently saw that horrific racist attack against a 15-year-old child in Western Australia. That is disgraceful. And we can... We can talk about all of those things. They are disgraceful and they need to be worked, but that doesn't predicate the Socceroos from talking about this as well. You, you know, you can do, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. And I also thought it was weird people talking, you know, responding to the PFA. What about in, well, they didn't say Indigenous, um, but what about Indigenous rights? When the PFA has spent the past week working with the John Moriarty Foundation, is a, is a, has signed up to the Uluru Statement from yeah. the Heart and is one of football's leading bodies in supporting social justice. Well, that, that's the and, thing with these takes. Yeah. That's the thing with these yeah. takes. It's not about, it's not actually no. a genuine um, good faith argument. Exactly. It's just an attempt to obfuscate and distract. That's and, all. And they do it with everything, whether it's oh, climate change. Ah, oh, yeah, but no, did you drive a car in the last year? Ah, oh, well, who are you to talk? Like, man, shut up, all right? You don't want to actually improve the situation. You don't want to find solutions. You just want to be a dick. And unfortunately, some people are making good money doing that. All right. On from a very serious and important issue to a, a silly, unimportant one. Uh, we had we had a bit of a chat about this in the in the group this week. Stoll, do you want to take it away? The A League belt. What does this mean? Okay. All right. So look, usually you know me. I hate wrestling. I don't want to talk about any of these belt crap. All right. Yeah, anyone? When I was a kid who actually had a belt in their room, I just thought that was the biggest losers of all time. No, no. Hold on. Stoll. Stoll. Nick, what Nick do you think about wrestling? Belt no, no, no. Hold on. Stoll. What do you think about wrestling? Shit. It doesn't matter what you think. Someone mute Joey. Anyway, look, I want to give a shout out uh, to Mike Adams, who he came up with this idea uh, in America in regards to the NBA. NBA is back. Check it out on ESPN. Uh, you know, great competition. He's talking about the NBA belt. To win the belt, you must be the best player on the floor in a win over the belt holder. So he's talking about who is the best player in the NBA. Best player in a loss, no belts. Your team has to win. If you're win, but you're not the best player on your team, you don't get the belt. Teammates can't take the belt, miss a game, belt vacated and awarded in your game. So he gave the example of Steph Curry started the season as finals MVP last season. He started, he had the belt and then eventually I think they lost uh, in a game to Denver and therefore mm-hmm. uh, Jokic took it off him. So that that's kind of the, the we won't go into NBA basketball right now, but... <laughs> First, we must decide. This is going to be a running thing because I like this a lot. Who has the belt to begin this can season? I, can, I, can I actually say what I think we should do about this? No, I'm going to get slapped. Belt. No, shut up, Joey. It's my turn. This is the this is what we're doing, all right? No, it's not. Alexander, so, no, no, stop. Someone mute him because he always mutes me. Um, so what we're going to this is how we're doing, all right? So Alexander Priovich came into the season as the as the as the title holder because he won the Joe Master medal in the grand final, right? Now, I understand that with the NBA, if you don't play, you got to vacate it. But in the NBA, they play 82 games, right? They literally play every day. With here, it's one game, right? 
Prijevic hasn't had the opportunity to defend his belt yet. So what I am putting forward is that Prijevic has until the World Cup break to defend his champion as the actual champion, but we have an interim champion as well. So the best player from the Melbourne City Western United game in the first week of the season was Valen Barisha. So Valen Barisha is the title holder. Now, we need to decide as a group, does he retain the title after today because it was a two-all draw or should he have lost the title? No, nah, no. Nah, what do we you, think? No, you, no, have no, no, to, no. you have to beat the team. You have Someone to beat the yeah. team. So, let me say, Previch, you're making out like, I, from all the reports that we're getting out, it sounds like if Previch was desperate to play, he would have played by now for Western United. Yeah, he's so got So I'm saying that he should have had to vacate the title at refusal to defend the title, therefore ha- has been well, we stripped. Can't, we can't he hasn't vacated it. We, we, can't, we can't say he has, he's not, we can't say straight up that he's refusing to play for Western United because that's never actually happened. We don't okay, know. Okay. It's, it's, it's the belt. We can make up the rules. You better, we can on, make up on. our own reality. He, here's the thing, right? So, all right, Prijevic, whether he has it or not, we give it to Barisha. Is for now. Is this going to be the thing that gets Priyavich motivated? Is Aloisi going to go in on Monday and say, you no longer hold the belt, my friend? And he's going to be like, oh, and he's going to be it. So what we're saying is right now, I think we're all agreeing, right? We'll, 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 do, we'll just do it for Barisha now. Barisha has the belt. Barisha has the belt. We'll they decide whether that's the interim the belt. belt or not. I'm I'm with you, Joey. I think we do give it to Barisha just because it's going to be more interesting. I can't wait for Priyavich to play a game just to do it. Because now I want to watch every Melbourne City game. Now I want to see, is someone going to, because this is what you have to do. You have to beat Melbourne City and you have to be the best player on your team. NBA, look, the superstars are usually always the best player. LeBron's pretty much always the best player for Lakers. Steph's always the best player for the Warriors. In football, sometimes like this belt's going to go on some weird hips. Stole, it's funny. You said the Lakers and LeBron. The Lakers have not won a game yet, mate. So I don't think LeBron's going to be holding the belt this season. LeBron's the GOAT. Forget it. But so how do we decide the man of the match? Is that a TNC decision or is there like yeah, a... Yeah, 100%. Are we going off hot mob rating? Uh, okay. Yeah. Because I was going to yeah. say, if we were going off like a FOT mob rating or something, Craig Goodwin would take the belt and then being the goals and assist merchant that he is, just hold the belt indefinitely. So look... Valon Barisha holds the belt. That's all you need to know right now yeah. as TNC listens. Valon Barisha holds the belt. Keep an eye out for Melbourne City's games, all right? First glory, soon... Melbourne City. Giordano oh. Colley, new champion next week. <laughs> Is there going to be some sort of money in the bank element introduced to this where someone can cash in and attempt to steal the belt? If, if we have like a super sub, like a really good super sub, I reckon, I reckon they're going to get money in the bank. Like if there's something right. like that, there's going to be some special moment. Who is moment the, the Jack Swagger the of the A-League man? All right, shut up. Shut up. This is wrestling stuff. I don't like it. This is a boxing thing. Look, secondly, Toro's is asking George, George, George Blackwood is the you Jack Swagger of the... You started this stole. Hey, Toro's asked a good question. Do you have to play all the game to win the belt? I will say you have to play, are we going to say 60, minutes. 60 or 70 minutes? I like 60 minutes. You just need to be best on grounds. Like, if you're best on grounds in 20 or 30 minutes, you must have done some really impressive shit in 20 or 30 minutes Actually, to win the belt. I agree. Actually, I'll change my mind, Joey. We need to make Garen Quall eligible. So <laughs> we can't put a minute's restriction on it. What happens all if right. Garen Quall wins the belt and then 
pisses off to Newcastle. It's DM Punk. Yeah. If Wellington had won today, Igarkovic could have been man of the match in nine minutes. So let's let's not put it. Let's not put any artificial restrictions on this. I mean, if we're going off fop mob ratings, Sam Sutton, if Wellington had won, would be the champion right now. Who would have picked Sam Sutton to be the title holder? It would it would be unbelievable. All right, no one disrespect. another good question. The, the good Brian question. Kendrick is WWE champion <laughs> for uh, what an hour. <laughs> F, FB Skippy, who currently holds the A League women's? Would it be belt? Casey Demont? Because she won. She's she was the, like best on the grand DeMont. final. Yeah, yeah. Casey Demont. Casey Demont. So keep an eye out. Casey Demont, Valon Barisha, who holds the A League belt? <laughs> I don't even know. It's, that it's wrestling. We don't understand it. It's wrestling. <laughs> All right. Fantasy. Fantasy update. I'll keep it quick. Uh, we're yeah. at the tail end. Uh, I hate fantasy. Tail end, I know. Share, share your screen. Somebody share a screen with all the results. Oh, uh, no, no. I, I've got, I've no, got, don't firstly, do that. I've got a, re- don't do that, I've got a recorded statement from uh, uh, absent panelist, Teo Pelletzeri, who went in the uh, Gagan pod G. <laughs> I've got I've got a statement here from Teo Pelletzeri who actually lost to Grace Gill today. This is what he had to say. Hello, TNC family. It's Teo Pelletzeri here. Disappointed loser going down to Grace Gill's GGFC. It turns out I do not know ball because last weekend when I also lost, I had Jacob Farrell in my team and I had Jason Cummings as captain. And guess what the two main changes I made were? Jamie McLaren, you failed me today. And Jason Cummings, I should never have got off your bandwagon. And Jacob Farrell, I'm not going to trade you back in, but that was certainly a mistake to trade you out. Uh, Grace, congratulations on your first win. Maybe this is hubris for me assisting you in picking your team and your trades, but I guess maybe there's a lesson to be learned here. Anyway, thanks and success. (laughs) Taya Pelletzeri there, uh, a little bit salty, I think. Uh, feels he had a role in Grace Gill's triumph. Uh, that game was 105 to 99, by the way. Very high scoring, high quality affair. Kid. Second highest score of the round in our in our league here. Um, the highest score coming from Taron, the remontada from Taron yeah, Hedo. Sorry, you I will cannot have your team name cannot be I will forget, and you have the top score in the round. This is wrong. And 27 points, absolutely annihilating Ben Smith's My Castro Romance on 58. That's going to be the biggest walloping of the season so far. Can we can we have a look at the relegation zone in this? Because I just want to make a very specific point as to who's bottom. Uh, Nick Stoll <laughs> rooted to the bottom of the table. This is why zero. Nick didn't want to do fantasy this week. The only the only player without a point so far on the season. Four losses. <laughs> I'm the Lakers, you know. I got one plus two plus I got the goat. That's me. And then uh, I don't know. It's not working out. Who's, Man, who's Westbrook? Fantasy. Who's Westbrook? Uh, Stoll. Who's Look, the hand breaking your team, mate? What's wrong? Okay, I tell you what's wrong with my team. All right, I've been let down. I've been let down by someone. Okay, Paul Izzo, you you meant to be the goalkeeper for Melbourne Victory. Victory, you meant to be defensively solid this season. All right. Uh, Leo Lacroix, man, what the hell happened? Western United most boring team ever last season. One nil, one nil, one nil. That's what I expected. That's why I signed you. Nothing. All right. Cadete, Ned, you're a baguette. That's what you are. Uh, Nani. He got 10 points. He got 10 points this round. Yeah. Okay. It was good, man. 
Cadete was okay. Look, Talbot, man, bro, what that? What was that? Zero points. Max Burgess, you're staying in the lineup no matter how little you play this season. You're in there. I guarantee you that. No problem. Uh, Nani, seven. Nani, man, you're a really nice guy. I think you're a good player. Let's get some goals and assists happening, baby. Uh, Reno Piscopo, you know, no good. Should have uh, scored that goal, man, like far out. Bro, mm. Newhamhoff, four points. Man, come on, like, give him a thousand points. He was amazing. Uh, Becca Mikotadze, uh, you know, I would maybe like the Jets to be a bit more uh, transparent about if their star striker is not going to uh, play anymore. Daniel Arzani, you're staying in the team all season, my friend. You need to get some more points. And Al Hassan Torre, once again, you got eight points. I don't even know how you came uh, off the bench, but good job, Al Hassan. Let's, uh, so let's, I have let's only one on. question for you. Are you going to let other A-League fantasy teams dominate you? Other teams are looking <laughs> at you and saying that Nick stole TNC live on Sundays. That's an oh, easy three points. Pencil this, it in. This A-League fantasy has unleashed hell on me. All right. I thought I, <laughs> I actually called my team TNC live on Sundays because I thought I was going to be number one in the whole league, the whole Australia. Like I thought I was just going to be smashing everyone, you know. Easy wins. Taryn's Taren's team name is I Will Forget. Stoll now wants to change his team name to I Want to Forget. Yeah, bro. I hate <laughs> fantasy. Like, I just I want uh, to point out just how competitive this league is, though. So I'm in the top 15% of all fantasy players in terms of total points for the season. I'm 10th in our league. Bro, the top <laughs> the seven points- are all on the same points. We're all on nine. And that includes, but, yeah, I'm, I'm the highest like, of the... But there's also, like, in terms of... There's, like, points differential as well. Like, I'm top 15 for all fantasy players, but I'm only plus 16 point differential for this bloody league. Like, this league is actually really competitive. I well, hate fantasy. Uh, a seven-way tie in first place at the moment. Well, do you want, um, have you read through the results? Oh, I'll like, read through oh. the results. Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to this. Come on, man. Yes. All right. uh, all I'm, the losers don't want their results read out. I like, won, I man. I saw the matters. This podcast uh, is I've two been... hours and twenty minutes. You you can go check. Bro, out I've got to drive home. Yeah, <laughs> right. I will read out the results. Uh, no, 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 it's all right. I'll, let's leave it. Let's just say Stoll had a bad week. I had a bad week. Um, Taron and Grayskill feasting. Uh, as opposed uh, in the general league, shout out to Clarkie's eleven, uh, managed by Jamie. Uh, a commanding nearly 40-point lead at the top of the competition, 339 points uh, wow. at round... Actually, no, that's round three. He's, uh, up to round four. 437. Kaiki's 11 still leads. Yangi Bus uh, in second place. And Heart Verm, which I assume is a Rutger oh, Verm reference in third place. Great name from Kurt there. All right. All right. I think that I wraps beat, it up. I beat, I beat Jason Pine. I won. <laughs> Uh, New Zealand in the mud. Uh, How does being tied top feel for all of you guys? You're not in the top. You're not tied top, so doesn't matter. I'm in 16th, mate. I'm, I'm well I'm behind the eight ball. I've accepted it. I've accepted it. I've accepted mediocrity. I started well. I had my moment. It's over. And, and I think I should change my name to I Will Forget now. And, Phil, and Rollo keeps winning. Rollo gets the big win over Nick Stoll in, with uh, the Phoenix's comeback and then beats a random. <laughs> in stark contrast to the actual Wellington Phoenix team. Uh, let's wrap it there. Thank you Any, to uh, Nick Stabano and Stoll, Lockie Flanagan and Joey Lynch. Any cheap Thanks, plugs Nick. before yes. we go, fellas? Are we good? Yes. Don't need any.
I like Stone. Why can't he give him an opportunity? Man, <laughs> I like. He's I on like ESPN. Stop. He's on the Guardian. He's on Up the Sport. Yeah, you can catch him there. JBL Media. Go check him out. Joey's cheap plug. Ba ba ba. Yeah, Joey. I do have special. I have two stories coming up with Edge Postacoglu this week, and the full fifteen-minute conversation will be up on the TNC podcast channel. Right. All right, we'll wrap right. it up. And I also have stock up, stock down on Monday. And I also have international stock up and stock down on Wednesdays. Yep. And uh, I'll have an announcement for you, for you all in the next 48 hours. So uh, we'll see what that might be. He signed a contract extension with Melbourne City. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to the, I'm going to the World Cup, fellas. I'm going to the World Cup. Thanks and success.